Welcome. We thank you for listening with us today. We ask that you please stow away and secure all important items. There are no emergency exits. So, just sit back, relax, fasten your earbuds, and enjoy. Hey, Coleman. Hey, John Hannon. What's going on? Where are we at right we, now? Uh, we're not on the pod patio. We are not. That's for sure. Nope. Um, we know we have a great guest today, and uh, if anybody enjoys Paul McCartney, um, Who? he's done music uh, as Paul McCartney, and he does Never his own it. original music. Uh, plays like 15 different instruments. Yeah, uh, all of them. Uh, and uh, he goes by the name John Babcock. He does. Um, and uh, he's going to be our guest today for this episode 82. Don't get the Johns confused. Coming to you from sunny Orlando, Florida, this is Funny to Informing. And now, without further delay, your host, John Hannon. Okay, and we're back, and so soon. Yeah, right? It's only been a few we days. We just did a show. I like That's it. why you remember the episode number so well. It was easy, yeah. Uh, when I it's, get it now. When it only a sense. few days goes by, it gets a little easier. A day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One day. You remember no. one number. Good I like job. this, though. We should we should think about doing it more often. Uh, what? Maybe. Coming to other people's houses and recording <laughs> in them? <laughs> yeah. Let's do that. Uh, three times a week instead yeah. of just oh, one. Yeah, yeah, I'm down. Uh, yeah, okay. So, yeah, we're not on the pod patio today. We are in... We're um, in the museum, I, I would say a little mini museum. It's called the museum. That's where... The album was recorded of uh, like and uh, everything memorabilia from all different types of spectrums. But uh, yeah. let's let's uh, introduce our guest. We should do that. Um, I'm excited, slightly nervous, but uh, <laughs> more excited. You hide it well. Uh, John Babcock. Um, he has a website, JohnBabcockMusic.com, but yep. he does original music. But he's been. Um, playing as Paul McCartney for Beatles cover bands uh, since the 70s. And you can tell. He's, he's been, playing the right part. Yeah, in national that. drum corps. Yeah, he looks like Paul he, and then he, he sounds... He looks the part. He sounds the part. <laughs> he's, he's, he's good at what he does. No, Thanks yeah. for being with us, John. We appreciate oh, it. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Gentlemen. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> all three of us. Do I... All three? <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we thank you for uh, welcoming two strangers into your home. Yeah, yeah. No, you guys aren't strangers because... Uh, you came through uh, Dirt McCoy. And yeah. Any friends of Dirt McCoy is a friend of mine. Yeah. Good man. He he was another a, gentleman. It was another gentleman that set this all up. Thanks again, Dirt. We he, appreciate it. Well, he it. just kind of he said, "Hey, I you know if you guys are looking for somebody to have on your show, and especially because I I'm an old soul." And you're just an old guy. I'm Coleman. old. You're an old soul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, so uh, I knew it, I definitely wanted to get together and you know uh, talk. And we have a bunch of questions uh, for you. But the way I figured it is, we I just I'm sure it's not going to work out for the whole episode. But go as chronological as possible. Okay, I'm sure there'll be some jumping around. Right, right. Might forget something, and he'll be like, "Oh yeah, back in '82." I'm like, right. we're not yeah. going to be like, well, we covered 82, so moving on. Yeah, so, so <laughs> we're on to 84 now. Uh, so, so tell me about the day of your birth. <laughs> no, <laughs> just kidding. How far back are we going? No, the, fun, no. the funny thing is, I can remember 
being in a crib. People go, how do you yeah, remember right? these things? But yet, I can't remember what I ate yesterday. Okay. It's, it's amazing. It is <laughs> short-term amazing, memory. This guy does it's, have a great what? memory. I can tell you that yeah, from some of his stories so far. Yeah. But yeah, but again, yeah, I can't remember. Again, yeah, I'm, same I'm, thing. I'm, I'm, I love the, I've got a good long-term memory and lots of stories. Awesome. Well, that's, it feels like that's all where all this good that's stuff comes from here. anyway, right? That's what we're here for. Awesome. Yeah, well, okay, so how did it start for you? Because as far as I know it, you were you were getting in when you first started uh, getting older and you're you know you're just a kid you started playing drums first before anything yeah yeah well uh, i've been playing drums because my father was a professional jazz drummer and uh he had me playing uh by the time i was less than probably a little less than two years old and and i can remember that i can remember sitting behind the drum set and as I showed you guys before, there's a picture of, uh, of me, I think it was about a year and a half old. He had yeah. me behind. Yeah, right here. Ni- yep. Yeah. 1950 Gretsch Broadcasters, which most drummers would give their left arm for. You can't even find them anymore, but I still have the kit. I use it when I play uh, with a Buddy Holly tribute I do. And also, I've used it on wow. every, al- every album that I've ever recorded. Um, I got my father's drum set. And my brother, Killer. Ryerson, has got the other drum set. There was He had two of them. He had a 1950 uh, Gretsch Broadcasters, and he had a 1970 Gretsch so each son has got a has got a um, a drum set to, well, re- to well, remember his father. Yeah, a really sweet kit. Too, if you that, if you had to guess though, awesome, like yeah. what would the what was the those drum sets go for nowadays? It's got it's because there's no yeah, thousands of dollars. I mean, you right? can't you can't find actually you can't find the Gretsch broadcasters. I've I've looked them up over the years just to see if I would find maybe the snare drum that was the same one as my dad's from 1950 or even anything in the 50s, and you just don't see them. Uh, see, yeah. I would have broken that a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't have nice things. Yeah, no. So yeah. that I, I don't know how you yeah, took it's care one of it. It's one of the most desirable drum sets. The That's drum, insane. Yeah, the, the bass drum is a 24-inch uh, kick drum, and, and uh, it's just amazing. It's a big band kit. There you so, go. I'm yeah, sure I was going to yeah. say, I'm sure it has its own type of sound that well, you yeah. can't really re- recreate or and, reproduce. Uh, and kind of like how we preluded um, a little bit ago is you were in like a national core for yeah. like a, a drum line, I guess. Yeah, uh, I was in a snare line for uh, a core uh, called the uh, the Pro River Cadets. I started out my drum corps career. My dad also was in the Navy Navy uh, Drum Review Corps in the 50s, so I learned not only to play the drum set, but he he showed me how to play rudimental drum snare drum. So I was had a love for that. So by the time I was 11, I was in a parade corps, competition court, and then I uh, did that for six, seven years. And then in 76, I auditioned for the prestigious, uh, legendary Hawthorne, New Jersey Muchachos. And they are, are and I, I mean, I, I have to brag about them because... Uh, they're they're one of the uh, legendary chorus power drum corps from the 1970s. Anybody knows drum corps knows the Muchachos. Well, and the, and the Muchachos were the one, if I'm not mistaken, because I definitely did my research before coming into this. Ah, okay. Okay. Oh yeah. You mean you don't just remember the Muchachos? <laughs> no, that's <laughs> before his time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But like, uh, did you guys? Didn't you guys play for Richard Nixon? For President that Nixon. was that was the um, the Cadets. That was the Prover Cadets. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was. That was in '72. And I was 13, and we played in White Plains, New York, and we were actually uh, played for for the president at the time. And he sent everybody uh, uh, a uh, uh, beautiful thing from the White House, you know, thanking us. Oh, that's for, wow! For Signed so, by the president. Yeah. And yeah. when you're 13 and you're already doing something as cool as that, yeah, like you you know you got to stick with it. And I'm you know it it, sh- it was probably a passion of yours as much as it was a no brainer, right. you know. Because were right. you naturally talented or did you have to put in like yeah? Do you think more maybe hours? You got some of it just well, from your I, dad. I got it from my dad. Yeah, yeah. He was he was an excellent drummer. He had amazing timing. 
you know. Yeah, that's which anyway, you have or you yeah, don't, that's kind of. the main thing. Most people, you know, especially you know with percussion and drummers, you know, a lot of people say, oh yeah, this guy's a great drummer. Yeah, and there's a lot of great players, but you know, to me, I I'm a, I'm a less is more guy. I really love Liberty Devito, Ringo Starr. You know, uh, guys that really lay the grooves down and play the stuff really solid. I mean, Neil Peart and people like that, I love them too. Buddy Rich, one, yeah, of, my, yeah, my, one of my heroes. Crazy but, fills and but stuff. But the main but, thing is, yeah. yeah, I love guys with chops, and I got a little bit of that from the drum corps. You know, for I, sure, I, I they definitely good. teach you the well. The snare chops, I I always the rudimentary applied. way to play. Yeah, well, that came in handy because when I would do certain things on the kit on some on the records I recorded, I would put some of that stuff in there. But it's still, I've always been a groove player. I, you know, real feel is the real deal. Cool, and, and it's about great. A great drummer is great timing. That's what it's all about. So for me. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's yeah. that's it's step number one for a drummer. Well, and sometimes yeah. just com- like complicating things doesn't necessarily make it better. No, no, no. yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah. And that's what I love about Ringo. And Ringo's finally getting his due now. He used to get slagged a little I was bit. Say, in the no, 70s. people have crapped on Ringo for a long time. Yeah, but not anymore. Now people get it. You know, I mean, there are people that really are in the know. People like re- like good, yeah, good musicians. Players. Musicians right. know, and and even the public has got they, they know now that this guy was a songwriter's best friend. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. And, and, and as a composer myself, I know exactly what that means because, and I have always approached even my own stuff. And even when I played on other people's sessions, you always play for the song. Okay. You play what works for the song. You don't play what, you know, you don't just do stuff just for the sake of because you got good chops it's, or something. Yeah. It's a team effort, you know? right? Don't right. make yourself a, shine. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Make, do what's best for yeah. the song. That's like, right. What's best for the it's team. It's about the so tune. Yeah. It's yeah. about the song. And, it makes and, sense. and it's the singer in the song. That's what it's about. Uh, so. uh, yeah. 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 Because, um, so you, you were doing your drumming and then what, how did you randomly one day start picking up a guitar and like, yeah, what, what was that transition? You just, yeah, from drum yeah. Cord to, or was it just like, let me try a new That's instrument? two different languages oh, entirely. Yeah, yeah. So, or maybe it was chicks dig dudes with guitars. No, it wasn't that. Okay. <laughs> no, that's wasn't a lot of, that's a way a lot well, of dudes get into guitar. Yeah. Some yeah. stick with it, some don't. Right, exactly. Now, what it was was I was playing drums, uh, and singing, I actually found my voice. You know, I found I could, yeah, I could sing. I could sing in tune. I didn't need a uh, pitch correction. I have right. good, good pitch. So, I, you know, I knew that at 16. Well, and I and could sing. you could do it simultaneously yeah. while playing an instrument. Oh, you're right. Because well, I, I could yeah. never do that. I could never play an instrument. Well, that's the hardest thing. People would say, how in the world do you play the drums? Like, how do you play the drums and sing, be a singing drummer? But that's all I knew how to do because I didn't know how to play piano or guitar or bass at that point. So I was right. 15. 16 i started i took a few piano lessons but not much i just wanted to do something more musical than playing to the drums you know being the percussions to being the guy in the back and being a singer i i got tired of singing in my first bands like i had a high school band and it was uh we were doing uh, funk and rock stuff at the time you know we were doing earth wind and fire awesome. and, and i was singing like the philip bailey parts because i had really high voice you know okay. i could sing and but playing drums but i wanted to go out and not be like a mick jagger guy singing i wanted to play an instrument so i i started really getting into playing bass because it was still in the rhythm section so what okay. i could do is okay. go from it was an easy transition and i only had four strings you know, so, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you exactly. know? okay exactly. so but then i started you know a little guitar a little piano and then i started to write uh by the time i was 16 and and that's just I just built from there. So wow. did you learn music traditionally? You can read sheet music, or you could then. No, no. no so you've I, always like I could by read. Ear I, I could still. I could. I could. I could read drum music because we, okay because uh, of the drum corps because the drum corps yeah. right. You know, I mean, a lot of times in the, in the, in the in the in the muchachos, uh, the older guys would show the parts to us. You know, right, right. And you know, sometimes they'd show you sheet music, and uh, you know, you could read it a little bit. But it was it was more about 
okay, here's the part. Here's the tune, you know, and then we would work it uh, the stuff out as a section. Oh, so, so it wasn't like competitive because I feel like sometimes those situations can be like competitive where like um, you almost don't want to teach somebody no, what no, you no. know. No, that's because not, you that's don't not wanna... what that was about. Yeah, yeah not good, in a competition, I feel like. Yeah, the competition was between our drum corps and the other drum corps. Right, right. You know, it's <laughs> right, more right. about a team thing. Well, we were like. a team. Yeah, everybody, you know, the all 120 of us uh, kids, we, you know, we were all on the same team and it, it was not about who was better or who was, you know, it was about like being on a baseball team. Yeah. Everybody right. did Everybody your job. better. Right. Right. Yeah. It's not and like and you're thinking traditional, like high school band, like first chair, second chair, third yeah, chair. It wasn't like yeah. It wasn't like that. In, well, well, like, like, the, like the, the movie Drumline. I was going right. to say, haven't you right. seen the movie Drumline? <laughs> you, you fool. It was just like that. Yeah. We're talking no. to Nick Cannon today from Drumline. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, John. You know, I mean, once you, once you, once you, you know, pass the audition and you were in, you know, like in, 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 uh, drum corps, I mean, this is a major, DCI, you know, drum corps of the right. 70s. And I was so proud to be part of it. And I'm more proud about that than anything else. Working uh, at Abbey Road over the years was great and all that, but and things I've done with this McCartney show. But that thing, and part of it's, if it wasn't for my dad, I never would have did it. But being in that core, and now they're like, Considered very legendary. I'm right. very proud to have been and part of it. And you were a part of it. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's yeah. incredible. And that's and a cool fraternity. And you have like the little outfit here. Yeah, that's my yeah, yeah that's my uniform. The... I'm gonna take a picture of that. We'll put it on the group page. Yeah, we're gonna t- take a picture of that outfit. We'll post it on the group page. John, you know, I you love know, muchacho outfit. Well, you know, while we're talking about the muchachos, I gotta tell you uh, about a couple of the gigs that I did, which is actually on my website. Uh, it says I think I've got uh, it's uh, top twelve gigs i've done i don't know if you saw it on my website uh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. one of one of them was you know playing at cbgb's you know the legendary cbg and then like shea stadium, shea stadium. And- well i play shea stadium uh home of the beatles concerts in 65 and 66 i played there in 77 11 years after the beatles played there with the muchachos and uh you know it was like forty eight thousand something like that oh so, man yeah, it was great i would oh my god i would be pooping myself <laughs> well, when I, right when, there on listen, stage when, when i what the thing the first thing i thought of was we're doing the drum solo and we're you know there's two drum solos uh, uh in the uh, in the show that we did in the 13 minute show we did and we did the played that night at shea stadium and i remember when we went when we marched across second base we kind of stopped at second base and i'm in the snare line playing and while i'm playing i'm thinking my mind's going this is what the beatles saw yeah, how cool yeah, is this yeah. i'm playing shea stadium at 17 oh, 17 years wild. old yeah. yeah yep but then what happened was two days later giant stadium in the meadowlands home of pele yeah okay yeah. and that was a, sell- a sellout Seventy seven thousand seven hundred. that's the most people i ever played yeah. in my life seven, i need seven, like, seven, seven. i need seven, like a, yeah like a brown paper bag to like hyperventilate yeah, oh my God. Wild. Yeah. before it was yeah. amazing man so those crowds don't affect you at all or not anymore not since then wow. <laughs> yeah. in the moment yeah, yeah. that but i feel like break you, in. you were with you were with a bigger group there too so it's not well like that, that's right all yeah, exactly. eyes on me right. type thing yeah. but still i mean right. you're out there there's but you're seventy seven thousand pairs of eyes so a lot of them are on you right it was amazing well you felt like wow Wow, you know this is really something special so that was cool and then the other thing is we played um we played harvard stadium in boston okay yeah. really cool harvard stadium still there oh yeah um there was the cyo cyo nationals um it was a big show that we did that's an old venue too right yeah that's an oh, old yeah. one. well the cool thing about it is i've always been a, a great admirer of uh, president kennedy i love i thought jfk was the last good president we had 
yeah. I can actually like uh, uh, so about last one we share had, that uh, sentiment. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, we know what happened to him, and we know, you know some people know why. But that's a whole other story. But uh, <laughs> we're not going to. We could do, we could do a whole show on that on conspiracy. <laughs> right, we can, we, yeah. we can go like into we a whole. Other thing. They were going to schedule that before we leave. But but <laughs> the cool thing was uh, concerning Kennedy's, he played football because he was in Harvard. He was in Harvard, so he. Right. I, you know, I remember at the time, you know, again, being, you know, 8, 17, 18 years old, and I was a Kennedy uh, admirer then, uh, playing at Harvard Stadium. And this is where John F. Kennedy played football. How cool yeah. is this? Yeah. yeah. So there was a lot of things. You know, you got the connection with the Beatles and uh, Shea Stadium and, and then Harvard Stadium. So Kennedy. Yeah. And, and like, with all of this stuff that you have around the room, we're going to be getting into, like, some yeah. of the people that you've come across uh, and yes. stuff so like you that. You just go wall to wall but, um, kind of, and then go through. But, yeah. So after the much, uh, the muchachos, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about your um, – playing as paul mccartney for beatles cover bands right. and uh you know because it, it's you look like him but it's really not just enough to look like somebody to be yeah, able to no. pull something like that off yeah and then and then you like did you think that you sounded like him or is that something that you have to really try to do when you started doing well it? i i i don't know you know i i people say i sound a lot like him and i guess you know i i i think i do to a degree you know we have the same tonality of our voice i was gonna say it's, you it's guys similar. have like the similar yeah. vocal range to yeah start the range with. the range is about the same right. and and uh so yeah i sound more like him than i do say john lennon okay so john of course lennon, yeah you know it's two different animals but uh i knew i was singing those songs you know when in my late teens so i knew i had a knack for doing his voice um yeah, I mean, uh, it's just again, it's it's kind of the the, the timber of my voice as a tenor well, is like his. Was it go. like um? Was did somebody say like, hey man, like y do you realize you look and sound like Paul? Did you ever think about covering for him, or was that something that you decided? No, no, or... what no. What happened was originally I was you know I was playing the songs like a lot of bands in in the, in the seventies and eighties around clubs in New York and all that, and we would do uh, coming up. That was that's you know oh, okay. Oh, okay yeah we're right. we're gonna hear that on break yeah, yeah. exactly right well, right right yeah foreshadow you'll, you'll hear yeah I'm gonna you'll hear that setting it up um, <laughs> coming up uh, number coming one song up, the song no, coming up it's coming up <laughs> number one song from from McCarty and eighty it's one of the songs I do with my show tripping the live fantastic it's a uh, tribute to Sir Paul which I'm presently booking and touring uh, throughout uh, Florida and throughout uh, the world wherever. Uh, I can bring my Hoffner, I'm going to go. So it's a cool show. Uh, but going back to your question, I originally got the opportunity to do him as like as a Beatle Paul, not as Paul McCartney as a solo artist. Was, oh, okay. Was with it, uh, a band called The British Invasion and uh, out of Epcot Center, Disney's Epcot. Heard so, of it. Yeah. Yeah, back British, in 97. Yeah, British Invasion was big time. Yeah, well, we were out there for, uh, I was there for 11 years and uh, we did the math on it. Uh, I did it after the show. Uh, I wasn't in the show anymore. Uh, it was amazing. It was like the show was five shows a day, six days a week. And we were there 50 weeks out of 52 weeks. And and it was 17. It was like 17,600 shows or something like that. Yeah, was, it, was, it was it the same songs every show? No. Okay. Nope. Yeah. But it was all Beatles songs? No. So it, you played well, every it, Beatles song. We, ad nauseum we did about to say the least half right? the I would lose my mind we did about half the catalog at okay. the time was okay. about 100, 100 songs but the, the the show was um the sh one day we'd play about 30 songs so it was about mm. eight, eight to nine songs per set but it was it was a combination of ha half Beatles songs and the other half was 
the Stones, the Who, Jerry and the Pacemakers. Okay, stuff Her- from that Her- era. Yeah, Hermes Hermans. British, British Invasion. Gotcha. That's why it was called British Invasion. So, but then we did. T- we at one point we went when the Beatles one album came out in two thousand. We actually it went to number one and sold like twenty million in a week. So we found that there was a whole other generation that found the Beatles. Like every generation discovers them. Right, right. Uh, You know, that's why they are the biggest band in the history of popular music. It's because they embrace the music is so great that it transcends time. So by 2001, when the, when the, uh, uh, 2000, uh, actually, when the, when the Beatles one uh, came out, it it was so successful that we had people wanting to hear more Beatles than, non-Beatles. So we went to an all-Beatle format at that point for okay. about a year or two. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, so that's how it... And put. then I have to ask, did you get blisters on your fingers? <laughs> I knew what I was going to say. No, but the... Ju- <laughs> I can imagine the blisters on me fingers. No, no, that was Ringo. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Yeah. I know. It was Ringo, but yeah. No, but the drummer got... I can imagine uh, you had my, blisters my friend, on your fingers. My too, friend sorry. Jimmy Pappas, so I have to, uh, to mention Jimmy, uh, one of my uh, great friends, uh, Jimmy Pappas uh, would be the one that had blisters on his fingers because he was the Ringo out there at uh, at Epcot and also with the cast of Beatlemania, which we all did the road tours. Okay. I was with the cast of Beatlemania on the road in the 90s and uh, 2000s. So he is also, um, I mentioned Jimmy, because not only did we work together uh, all those years at Epcot, but he's also in uh, my show, Tripping the Life Fantastic, doing uh, uh, and he actually sings Stevie Wonder's part when we do uh, Ebony and Ivory. Ebony and Ivory, yeah. and, he's, <laughs> and he's on the kit. He's on he's the on kit, kit and cool, he sings cool. Stevie Wonder's part. Oh, good. Yeah, okay. it's cool. Yeah. All right. Well, um, and then I just wanted to say one thing too while we were talking about the British invasion. Is it fair to say that American Bandstand was really significant in why the British invasion like was a thing? Because I, because I, I, American well, Bandstand I, was having all of those British bands on when well, they were, yeah, they yeah, were, well, but their first appearance was was yeah, uh, Sullivan Ed show. Sullivan, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. That's yeah. what broke. The well, that's Beatles what in that's America. what broke. Well, that's what I'm asking. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, I only know as far back as American Bandstand. Well, that's good. That's, that's, that, it's not. It's not my fault. You're too young. Yeah, yeah exactly. I was gonna say I could have told you that, and that was even before my era. <laughs> no, I'm not blaming you, John. I'm blaming Coleman. <laughs> that's fine. This guy. Okay, so let's take a little bit of a break. We have coming up, coming up, coming up. Is the song coming up? Yeah, but it's gonna. By the Beatles, as performed by John Babcock. Yeah, and, but by um, by Paul McCartney, tripping the live, fantastic.
Can't even tell if it's John or if it's Is it Paul. John or Paul. I don't or know. Ringo or George. It's I don't a, know. It's impossible <laughs> to tell. It's a coming up. More podcasting from us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that is not coming up again because it's already been done now. Okay. Right. Coming so. up will be another song. <laughs> yes. An original. Yeah, an original would be the next break um, song that we cut to. Yep. Uh, and we're sitting here with John Babcock who sung that last song that we just heard it was a paul mccartney cover yes yep. and then some more original music that we're going to be hearing that was you know that was recorded just last month that's a recent recording at the uh, bay street theater in eustace florida a wonderful theater if you ever have a chance to go see some plays there small theater only holds a couple hundred people but it's a great place it's been around since the 1920s wow and uh we i did that with uh, my friends uh, leo rojo and uh, jimmy pappas so i want to give a shout out to my boys they did a great job on it, and I appreciate working with them all these years uh, from Epcot on. Leo great. and Jimmy. <laughs> Leo and they Jimmy. They do a great job as a three-piece, sounding like many more yeah. pieces. Yeah. And well, and I you can I couldn't even tell that that was like necessarily live. The the recording, like the quality, is amazing. Yeah, it was a direct. That's just a direct board tape. It was actually just taken off. A, it was recorded direct to a CD. That's all. That's yeah, wow. no awesome. mixing at all. Awesome. You, you yeah. can hear how clean you perform live. You know, uh, wow, incredible. Yeah. Well, you know, the cool thing about the show is that I've got two. I've got actually three formats that I do with it. Uh, that that version there is the trio, okay, with Leo and Jimmy. And I also do a four-piece version of it, which I, I did it uh, in Mount Dora last May. It was the first time was the debut of the Tripping the Live Fantastic tribute to Sir Paul McCartney. And it was with Leo, uh, Jimmy Pappas, and uh, a friend of mine, uh, Sean Bryant. And Sean, um, i got to give a shout-out to Sean, too, because he is one of the great um, Buddy Holly impersonators. Okay. He actually, oh, okay. Yeah. He's the guy. I, oh, that's the guy yeah. you play drums for? Yeah, the I do. Buddy Holly I, with the authentics. Yeah, I, okay. I, I play drums for him. So when I have a chance to play this, play the drums, man, I, I play uh, uh, with uh, Sean uh, backing him up uh, when he does, when he portrays uh, Buddy Holly. And he's a great awesome. one. He was in Vegas in, uh, in Show of the Year, John Stewart's Legends in Concert, 1982. And uh, we've been. He was actually um, the guy that uh, got me, you know, hired me to play um, at Epcot. So that's how oh, okay. that's how we go. Back. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With, so, um, have you recorded with any of those guys? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, 
Sean uh, guested on uh, a track on, on an album I did called Chiller Theater. Uh, with Liberty DeVito, by the way, which we'll get into that. Billy Joel's drummer. Oh, yeah, yeah, because I wanted to start talking yeah. about recordings and all that. Yeah, we get into that. Jimmy Pappas uh, has played on my original stuff, and Leo has. So everybody from Epcot, I've played on their records, they played on mine, so it's kind of cool. Okay, yeah. so um, uh, is the first place that you recorded an album at, was Abbey Road Studios, or no. was it before? No, the first, the first time I recorded was in 1978 at a place called Suede Production, Suede Recording Studio in Hackensack, New Jersey. Oh geez, that's that Heard sounds of, small. Heard of the city? That sounds small. <laughs> it was a small, yeah, small little studio. And uh, at the time, it was a it was a eight eight track, and then it became a sixteen track studio. Um, the guy that owned it and still owns it to this day is a guy named Bob Swade. Another shout out to uh, oh, great. That's funny. I thought it was just a, a swanky name, you know, like Swade Sw- Studios. Yeah, that's cool. It's actually his last name. That's just, yeah, S U E D E. Bob Swade. Swade. Okay. And I think it's called the Suede Interactive uh, Interactive Center now. Uh, he's still uh, in business in uh, after forty some odd years in um, Hackensack. He, he produced a lot of commercials for famous people. He worked with a lot of different different um, artists, and and uh, he gave me my start, and that's where I recorded. Okay, first. so how in the world do you end up yeah. in Hackensack, New Jersey, yeah. and then go yeah. to Abbey London? Road. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Abbey Road meeting. You know, people meeting. people ask me that all the time. How do you how do you go from Hackensack to Abbey Road? Well, what happened was uh, I mean, I, first you book a flight. Well, first you book a flight. <laughs> I'm guessing. And, you know, and the flights were, were, were expensive even back then. You know, you'd still have to pay seven $800 to, get, to go over no there. No way. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was yeah. a huge, huge yeah. deal. And, then. That was, and that was then. That was yeah. in the 80s. Yeah. But uh, it was very cool. Um, I, I wanted to record in the, the finest recording studio in the world. And that I said, well, there's no, nothing better than Abbey Road. I had worked at, um, during my time at Suede Suede's, uh, Productions in Hackensack, uh, I recorded there from 70 to, to 1990. In 1990, I moved to Florida. So I, I was working with him for 12 years. But Abbey Road happened. I worked there from 85. And then after I moved to Florida, I worked from there from 85 to 95. But I also did Scepter Records. You know, the famous Scepter Records were... Okay, yeah, yeah. Drops keep falling on my yeah, head. Yeah. Uh-huh, you yeah. know, Brass Construction was recorded there. Some of the funk bands. Um, they, they were called Opal Studios. And they were right next to... Um, uh, it was on 54th Street next to Studio 54. Oh, And okay. so in 1980, 81, while I was still working at Suede Productions, I was doing session work down there. So I got to record at Scepter Records, the famous uh, Scepter Records. And then I, I did some work at the record plant with Jack Douglas, who produced Aerosmith. And, uh, oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Jack. Okay. Jack is, and Jack Douglas uh, produced John Lennon's last album with Yoko Ono, uh, of course, uh, Double Fantasy. Before he passed away? Yeah, yeah. He worked with the Summer Well, of not passed away. Passed away. Uh, natural Got causes. shot. Yeah. yeah. After he was murdered. Yeah. yeah. yeah passed but, away is a poor choice of words. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Jack Jack Douglas uh, produced Cheap Trick, Aerosmith. I mean, a lot of artists, and he's still a, a great producer these days. But he, um, uh, I met him uh, through another friend. Uh, in 87, um, we, we was doing a project called The Late Show, and uh, my friend's uh, Mark Davenport, and he was uh, a so- uh, songwriter I worked with for many years in a band called Four on the Floor. And uh, he said, you know, we play bass on this this, this album with us and, and uh, do some showcases around New York City because we're trying to get a record deal with RCA and a couple other ones. And the band did uh, 
did pretty well. You know, we did some big th- We played uh, famous uh, clubs down in the, in the village and all that. And, but Jack produced uh, some of the demos for it. And uh, so he was a great guy to wow. meet. Wow, that's he, awesome. He told some great John Lennon stories that I can't tell on air. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll, sa- I'll save that for my book. Nice. Yeah, you <laughs> got to save I'm something. Thinking, I'm thinking about writing a book because I think, you know, from a musician's point of view, you know, like things you've done and keep it you know keep it reasonably clean no I, yeah i like that but it's more about some, the people some that juice met, you know? yeah, yeah. You know? kind of a kitchen confidential from the yeah. music standpoint yeah. that would be I, cool i don't i don't want to put anything in there that you know that would really offend anybody but i, I you know you got to be because people some people are still alive yeah so you gotta, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You gotta be yeah. you gotta, gotta, gotta be, be looking be for you so you don't want to step on the toes of the dead either, that's right so. you want to you want to be respectful at all times right right that's right it's uh must be respectful okay so um when you've been recording, like, okay, so of all of these names that we see here, mm-hmm. um, which one would say, like, or at least one of your favorite people that you've met, like, uh, in studio or just, you know, on the street or wherever? Joe Cocker. Joe Cocker? Yep. Awesome. What That's one of John's would you favorites. Do if I sang attitude? Why? Why would he be my favorite? Well, don't, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> no, I'm just. What? Again, you're too young. You're too young. You're yeah, too young. Yeah. John loves that guy. I'm just saying. Uh, He's a no, good Joe, guy to love. No, Joe Cocker was the joint. He was great. Yeah, 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 yeah. He. Uh, yeah, you've got his picture there signed from Woodstock. That looks like his Woodstock performance with a Woodstock ticket on yep, it. Yep, that's, that's that's Sunday. Amazing. That's the Sunday ticket. The original the, ticket with the him. The Sunday ticket. It was eight dollars, guys. Yeah, eight dollars to go to Woodstock yep. on the last day. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's a no-brainer to go to something like that. But that eighteen dollars then was like, it was like you know three hundred dollars an hour or something like that. It was right. some kind of weird thing. Right. But you know the cool thing about Joe was we you know my brother I have to mention my brother Ryerson, um, he's uh, he went over with me. Ryerson. Uh, that, Ryerson. That, that yeah, name could not be more authentically Irish. Sir. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ryerson. Um, yeah, my, my my dear brother. He um he went over with me. Uh, he was nineteen at the time. I was twenty six, and we went over. And he was always very supportive of what I did. And, he, and actually, he's played uh, drums on a couple of tracks and percussion o- over the years on some of my stuff. And uh, so we went over together. So the first time I went over uh, to actually record, uh, I, I I I dragged him along with me. I said, "Listen, you got to come join me on this. You know, we got to go over there and see." What it's like to record, you know, he was a Beatles fan because obviously from me, older brother, I he yeah he he I'm wore sure he wore out him. my old records. Yeah, you fed him some influence, I'm sure. Yeah, he oh, wore, yeah yeah he wore out my my old Beatles albums. So we've been over there, and uh, the first uh, day we were there, we were it, you know getting ready to record three days in stu- Beatles Studio Two, where the Beatles did all their stuff, and of course. Uh, the great uh, Pink Floyd did "Dark Side of the Moon." Wish you were here. Was done there. That's it. I, I bet you not many people know that actually. No, they they always think it's just the Beatles. But I mean, right. so yeah. it, I mean, the Police recorded there. Everybody, Duran Duran recorded there. Everybody, anybody who's ever done anything, thank you, uh, has, who, has done something there. Who would not want to record there? You know, yeah. I mean, right? Exactly. If you had the opportunity, doesn't matter who you are. Yeah, if you had the three hundred dollars in nineteen eighty six that it cost <laughs> to book three hours at Abbey Road, which yeah. he has framed it, yeah. a framed document of his his invoice. We're looking at me- yeah. The, it's the, amazing. I just wanted to know how much was it, and, and what year, and how much was it to book? It was che- it was Road. cheaper then. I mean, it was expensive at the time. You know, nineteen eighty five. It was. I think it was the first time I went over. I think it was eighty. It was eighty five pounds an hour. What did it say over there? It's eighty five pounds an hour. Ninety. Pounds? I, I didn't break it down. I don't think per yeah, hour. Just like three hundred. Well, the exchange rate at the time, I remember, it was like a dollar twenty one to the pound. Oh, uh, which oh, was yeah. good at the okay. time. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, it was yeah. All, it back was, when it wasn't one for one, but it was. Was I mean, at one point I went over there in '88. It was horrible. It was like dollar ninety to the pound, and I was like, "Oh man, this is an expensive bill here." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, when, yeah. You, when you did the conversion, you know. But um, in '85, when, when my brother and I went over, we met Joe Cocker, and it was just amazing. We didn't know he was there, and uh, 
you know, pe- famous people will come in and out all the time. Wait, wait, he was down to earth? Oh, he was a great guy. Yeah, yeah. and he was just recording. He was recording that album you showed me. Yeah, he was recording an album called Cocker, which yeah. is uh, Self- You Can yeah. Leave Your Head On. Oh, yeah, there, okay, was a, yeah. there was a handful of hits on that album. Yeah, I was yeah. looking at the titles, and I was like, oh, I remember yeah. these. I remember these. Yeah, absolutely. did a great song on there called A to Z. That was a great one. And another one called... I think it was called Heaven. Another yeah, one. Yeah, Heaven was on there. Yeah. Yep. And what happened was, so that album was what he was working on, and we we met him um, in the restaurant bar at Abbey Road. There's a there's a lounge there, you know, uh, good food and, and great Guinness, and it's just uh-huh. for the it's just for the artists. It's just for the, oh, the man, staff. I bet and, there's some stories out of yeah, that. Yeah, it's place. not open to the public. It's just just you have to be you know uh, an artist working there. So uh, my brother and I met him, and uh, he was asking what we were doing. I told him, and at that point, I was officially recording my first very first solo album i had done six years of recording with uh bob suede at his studio just doing demos but it's something to actually get something where we were looking to do a master sales deal which in those days what you did is instead of getting the record company to spend a hundred thousand dollars and you're in debt for with them for the rest of your life <laughs> and signing yeah. a contract the deal was you know, at that time, the approach was in the in the mid '80s was to record the album, pay for it yourself, and then do a, a lease the master to the record company. Okay. So you keep you own the master, so they don't own you. Okay. So that's kind of how we were going to do it back that, in the day. That, that's yeah, huge because you don't do well, that. Well, it's now. a smart way to do it. Yeah, you know? so, that's good. Yeah. Right, and then you basically do a, a lease deal with the thing, and you sign. You still record. You know, sign a contract, but they don't own the masters and you don't owe them a lot of money because it's your thing so if you make make the money you, you pay yourself back right so what we did is we went over and um to record my first album that was so the album is called out of the blue you can find that was it. your very first one the very first one that was released yeah out of ah. the blue uh and uh that one was the one that i recorded that that trip i recorded three songs that made it on that album that's when we met joe uh okay that, that's so- cool Okay, so throughout the years, as you're recording all of these different albums, um, uh, and like as technology progresses, you know, um, how was like uh, going through those changes of like um, just like from cassette to you know uh, CDs yeah, or from, uh, from, from, tape, from old analog, from reels, to more analog to now digital, right? Right. Yeah. So, h- how did you handle those um, all those little upgrades in technology? Did you use the same equipment that you were using to record like? throughout all those years or were you upgrading as the well, technology yeah, was as as yeah sure i was always trying to change with you know we all have to change with the times it is what it well, is so, right. well, some people get hard-headed no, no they no, do no. but at the same time i feel like if you want to sell and people are buying cassettes at this time why right. are you going to record on a record yeah when you have records to are done you know, then, you know so on and so forth for cds yeah. to cassettes and yeah. you know what i mean so on and yeah no, no what it was is that at the time the medium the medium was 24 track tape you know two inch tape uh 16 24 uh, track in the 80s uh, late 70s early 80s and that's without the format so i was using like that was state of the art you know and yeah, still yeah. today i'm sorry but 16 track two inch if anybody out there knows anything about recording, I'm, 16 track two inch running at 30 IPS. I know a lot of your listeners are, won't know what I'm yeah, talking that's about. Pretty technical, <laughs> okay? But I'm, I'm just going to say it because <laughs> we got because we got peeps out there. Yeah, those that, that know, know what I'm talking about. Right? If, oh yeah. If, if they don't know, they need to find out because I'm telling you right now. <laughs> even though the tape is expensive and the format is considered uh, archaic, it's, obsolete, it's, it's, it's or obsolete. whatever. But it's not really obsolete because the technically. Uh, sonically, it's amazing. The bass, I mean, it blows away anything digital. I'm sorry. Well, you can have all the plugins spoke, in the world. Like a bass player. 
<laughs> Spoken yeah, like a true bass player. Well, bass and drums. Bass. Well, exactly. bass and drums. He's, yeah, right, he right. likes his rhythm section yeah. to be, sound and, good. Uh, that's, yeah, so I'm, uh, yes, so you're right. That, that was I'm my biased. next question. That's fine. No, good. I'm biased. Smart man. I'm, I lean that way myself. You know what it is? Let me tell you what it is. I heard a joke one time, and it was talking about the, like being on a sinking ship, okay? And there's, there's musicians on there. And two of the musicians said, women and children... And the ba- the rhythm section first. <laughs> okay. I like that. I like that. Somebody's right. got to keep time. Yeah, forget about the singers. Forget about the guitar players. It's about the rhythm section. I love it. So <laughs> yeah. anyway, going back to to the thing, it, it, sixteen track was what it was uh, in twenty four track, and I loved it. I still love the format. And some studios, like really high end studios, still always have a, a twenty four track machine. And I find that a lot of young dudes now, young guys that were like the age I was, you know, my twenties, is rediscovering like. What's happened with the vinyl resurging in the last five, six years? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's been coming know, up. Yeah, you know, it, and, and the thing that's cool about uh, of the format is just it's just amazing how um, the bass and drums sound on, it. and and it's just really great. Uh, so yeah, so well, because you, you want to feel the music as much as you're hearing it, like you yeah. want to feel it, right? Yeah. Is that too like? Uh, too hippie, bro. Too mind blowing. Too, yeah. <laughs> too, no, it just, it just your granola it, crunch it, it, a bit. Too it out just, there. It just sounds better, man. It's, <laughs> no, yeah, you know, no, it's, it's everybody analog, talks about baby. the warmth, the warmth it of is. a record, you know. Yeah, and I, I do remember that as a kid. Yeah. Like I said, my mom had all these vinyls. That We've come songs. so far. I mean, this is just an opinion. If we all have them, and they all stink. Okay. Uh huh. <laughs> but what it comes down to is that we've come so far, and digital is great and all that. I, I think it's excellent. You know, it's it's convenient. It's we convenient. Absolutely. We have small stuff. Hey, look what we're doing now. You right, know? that's right. true. We don't have to change tape. I get you know, yeah. but and and the quality is great. And and with plugins now, yeah, you can get really great sounds and all that. But I I remember another story I heard from uh, Rick Derringer. Uh, I know Rick Derringer very well. One of the great guitar players of all time, oh, yeah. uh, rock and roll hoochie coo man. You know, yeah. Uh, he he said you know he was. They asked him about the same thing about formats and how things how he's changed over the years. And he says, yeah, you know, I record analog. I record digitally. I do all whatever you know studio men or my home studio uh he said that a lot of times um people ask these these questions about the different formats he said but people say well you know to get this guitar sound i want it to sound like a marshall so let me use this marshall plug-in right and he says why not just like have a marshall and like plug the guitar into it and mic the thing yeah and now you and, got it yeah, yeah. No, if so, you have the ability if you have to the ability use it, to do it right but then do it exactly that's i mean what i know I feel some like. people can't afford to do it they and that's no, why it's good yeah. for for if you have a, a home studio and you're a young guy you know you can't afford to have, own a two thousand dollar marshall but uh, i get that but the thing is if you're going to do it the, the idea is try to use the the go to the source why yeah, exactly. yeah. Why that's for a reproduction the, if you the, don't have the root to. of just it. because it's easier right, right. yeah I, I agree with that i like that right. yeah and um because i'm sure there's a lot that's that all. you've learned over the years hey it's from... recording 101 yeah. <laughs> yeah how did that happen welcome did, <laughs> how, so that brings my next question to this to my john how do you do a podcast yeah, well, <laughs> just go over the steps real quickly. I talk into this thing. Oh, awesome. It comes awesome. out through, microphone. The, awesome. through these things. Through the cans. <laughs> and people hear us. That's, uh, that's see, great, see, well, and they did this th- 50 years ago. So actually, we're still doing, it's basically the same. No, yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. going through a different medium. Just way yeah. easier that's now. Good. I'm glad you brought up the change from analog to digital. And you answered my next question, which was going to be, what's your favorite medium to record on? Yeah, it's, it's still it's still tape. Okay. Yeah. If, if it's the real deal. Not, and not cassette tape either. No, no, okay. no. Okay, okay. Because some people, your not tape t- and not, think, uh, not oh, t- well, I've got a, I got a Motley Crue tape in my car. I'm going to go jam that out. That's John's favorite medium. Yeah, but you know, you know, what, you know what's really funny? There's a place called, um, you know, you guys know uh, Rock and Roll Heaven in, in Orlando, the, the vinyl shop, Rock and Roll Heaven? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, some friends of mine own that place, and I've been okay. buying my vinyl there for years, and 
Plug. Ooh. <laughs> Rock and roll. You like Orlando. that, Freddie? Freddie. <laughs> where, where, where's it at? It's down in College Park. College Park. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah, that's right by me. I was gonna. Oh, that's right on. Uh, we're we're just over there. there. I live in College Park. Okay, it's right over near Ivanhoe by White Wolf Cafe and yeah, Knox right Dispensary. Ah, Boom. all yeah. of that stuff. Listen, guys. you know we you can have do, a good day over all there. All these people were mentioned. We need them to pay pay you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's fine. Just <laughs> give us we're plugging. We're plugging them and it's like twenty five yeah, bucks or something. That's yeah, something. Something so you can buy more beer. I accept. Yes, just buy our beer. I accept. We're happy. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh man, I forgot what my question was going to be about. Yeah, that, so though. you said about yeah, yeah. So you were uh, just talking about kind of the medium and the recording. Records. I had I had a good one for him. Um, we talked about Abbey Road. You're at Abbey Road. Yep. You've met Joe Cocker. Um, I know that's kind of where you got a big jumping off point from a pretty famous dude who you have a lot of reverence for. Yep, Harry Nilsson. Yeah. Yeah. So why Harry. don't you tell us a little bit about that? I know he gave you kind of a big break. Okay, because, yeah, I don't. I didn't know I knew Harry Nielsen. Yeah, it wasn't a name John recognized yeah. in his youth. And then you hear the songs, and you're like, oh, shit. So I played okay. his most famous yeah. song well, from, most the, people, to, well, from the movie Midnight Cowboy. Right, Everybody's right. talking about right. it. Everybody's talking, talking about, about it. it. Yeah. yeah, it's a good song. And then he wrote, <gasps> he wrote one. One is the loneliest number for, yeah. for Three oh, Dog Night. Okay. Yeah, for Three Dog yeah. Night. But he did it first on a solo album, and then he gave it to them, and then they he actually wrote for the Monkees. Oh, Really? What? Yeah. God, God, rest bless, in peace. God bless P- Peter Tork. Peter Tork just died last week. Yeah. Yep. Peter Tork was great. Great musician. You know? Oh, Absolutely. That don't guy, get me going on Peter Tork. Yeah, no, he, was, he was great. He was again. Great he banjo was player. Under, great guitar player. Underrated. Another oh, yeah, underrated well, guy. Well, the Monkees were never really well, they were. They were. Super you know, like he said right up to um, recently, to before just before he died, he said, you know, the the. The Monkees were never a band. They were a entertainment conglomerate. Okay. 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 Uh, and they were a TV show. They were. Right. But they did end up playing, you know, they played on their own records by the third album. They actually played every note on it, you know, even though there were session players like Glenn Campbell and the great Glenn Campbell and a lot of um, uh, great uh, session players uh, played on their LA, in, in, from LA played on their first two albums. They eventually played. I mean, Mickey Dolan's learned to play the drums and, and uh, but the other two guys, Mike Nesbitt and Peter Tork, were great musicians. They actually played on, on some of the records. Well, too. I'm actually just finding this out that Peter passed away last week. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I didn't yeah. know you that. You didn't know yeah. that? Yeah. No. Well, do you even know well, he, had been, he had been sick? Yeah. For, okay. He had been sick for about ten years, and uh, and uh, of course, I met. This leads into I met Davy Jones Davey several Jones, times. Yeah, yeah. You have the signed picture Davey right Jones. over my head now. Yeah, look at young, that young, young little baby yeah. face Davy Jones from the yeah, Monkees did, TV show days. Not not to be stood up by Bo Diddley and Edgar yeah. Winter yeah. Right next yeah. to Jeez, <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah, but, yeah, all signed, all pictures with him. Yeah, they, yeah, John's yeah. Dave, some awesome Davy was great. Davy and Edgar, of course. You know, it's like uh, George Martin. Yep. over here. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's Down a the, see right that picture of him in the car that was taken when he was leaving Abbey Road and. I, I, I took a snap of him on the way Oh, out. that's your photo. That's my that photo. Yeah, because nice. yeah, yeah. a lot of these you snapped photo yourself, cre- too. Photo credit to John Babcock on yeah, that Yeah, yeah, that's a JB photo. <laughs> well, and, then, and then the picture there, uh, he gave that to me, and he signed it for me. And then, you know, I talked to him, because that's, well, okay, that's one, I guess it goes back to the day I met him and Paul McCartney at the studio. At Abbey Road. That's where you first met Paul. Yeah. When? Wow. When was that? In 95, the last time I worked there. Wow. wow. Okay. Uh-huh. And uh so what did Paul what is what does Paul think about your uh your uh, performance? He don't know it's it was like I was like Michael Jackson. I I portray you. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to I'm going to own your songs. Yeah. No, no, yeah. Yeah. no, I didn't I didn't say anything. At that point I had uh, that was 95 so it was 2 years before I got the the gig uh you know the Beatlemania on the road and the Epcot gig. So I wasn't really actively portraying him as a as a uh, as a tribute artist but i you know i always played the songs and all that and here i am working at abbey road and um wow. and i didn't know he was there and i didn't know george martin was there but they were working on the beatles anthology 
Oh wow, they had been working oh. together for that long. It came out in two thousand, and they were working on it in ninety five. Yeah, they yeah. were ninety five. They that's worked wild. on it for years, for about three, four years. Wow. Uh, George and Ringo were involved with it, of course, with Paul and George Martin uh, listening to the old tapes, and um, of course, I was they, gonna say not George Harrison. Well, George died in two thousand one, so yeah. He oh, was, he did. He was a part of so that. Was, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. okay. So all of them. Well, they got like yeah, just in time. Every, yeah, yeah. He died six years after it was released. Oh, he, okay. He, um, yeah, and it, it, it was amazing because like. I was in the studio, so I'll tell my Paul McCartney story because people say, "Do you ever meet any of the Beatles?" I go, "Yeah, I met one of them." And so what happened was, I was, I had just gotten into into uh, London uh, about three days before, and so I had the I actually brought the tapes over. And you go, again going back, you're talking about formats, yeah, yeah. you know, recording formats. Uh huh. At that time, um, I. There was digital ADATs then. Do you know ADATs? I've heard of ADATs. Yeah, they still they still use them now. You know, of course, we're doing Pro Tools and digital stuff like. That. But that was the first digital like digital tape. You know, um, and they're like video. They're like video cassettes for you guys who don't know. Out okay, there. it looks just like a VHS cassette, but it's a high grade. Um, but it's just it's got it's just not analog. It's digital. So I had recorded at a digital studio. A friend of mine again, another friend. Uh, Dave Michael, who I still work with, who I did my new album with. By, I was going to say, way. I saw him on the credits. Of yeah, the inner yeah. Sleeve of your Welcome album. to my world, my new record. Um, tying it, put, put the plug in there. Uh, we've been. Oh working, yeah, because we're yeah because we're going to we're going to play about... a couple of tracks from that. Add, yep, that, yep. add that to the plug list of people that owe us twenty five dollars. This guy JB, apparently whoever we're, he is, we're up to like two <laughs> two seventy five right now. Getting it. That's I'm right. Getting it. it. Yeah, also, I'll write you a check later. Awesome. <laughs> we'll, we'll wait till Friday to catch up. <laughs> but it, it was cool because like uh, yeah, so Dave Michael and I. Uh, you know, we're working at that time um, on an album called Matthew Street. And that was my, like, th- I think that was my third album. I've done 12 records. That was my third one. And so I went over to Abbey Road to record uh, a song um, live. I actually, was it? Yeah, I want to, I want to, no, I know what it was. So many times I went over there. I went over there like, I did like seven sessions in 10 years, so um, bear with me. It was the last time I went there and I was recording a Beatles song and I never record Beatles songs because, yeah, I did, I did um, um, a cover version of a song called Baby You're a Rich Man. Okay. Do you know that? Uh, it's not. Oh, you might have to play a piece of it. Yeah, we could put that. Is there in a there. copyright problem I, if you play a little? Not piece if of we it? play a piece. Not yeah, not not a little just part a, of it. Just a piece of it. Okay. Yeah, we can well, lay it you know, so what it was is uh, I was going to do this one song, so I took the ADATs over there, and I had the tapes with me, and I uh, I didn't want to you know leave them in the hotel room, so I went and brought them to Abbey Road. So I went there, and uh, and of course I've been working there for uh, over a ten year period, so. Uh, I knew the staff well and the lady that booked the sessions for me. And um, so I went and dropped the tape off there and I was sitting uh, at the bar, uh, at the Abbey Road Bar with one of the guys I knew, the engineers that worked there, drinking a nice cold Guinness. I'm just going to point this out. You're saying this so nonchalantly and this is like the craziest thing. Meeting the coolest people ever. (laughs) This is like the craziest thing I've heard. But that's just what, isn't that the way life is? It can be very nonchalant. It is. I'm at at Abbey Road Bar. (laughs) (laughs) I know. know. Well, the thing was a lot of people would love to go there because most people, you know, it's the most famous crosswalk in the world. Yeah, absolutely. People go there and take their shoes off and walk across there and I did it too. I know. I saw the picture. I immediately was like, look, there he is Abbey Road. So I didn't mean to cut you off but you were No, no, it's cool. So. Yeah, so I'm at the bar and I'm sitting there, and uh, this is the way the story went. Uh, I was sitting there with this guy and uh, having a Guinness and talking to him, and and then I had dropped the tapes off so they could put them into my session was until a week later, and um, I I'm talking to him and I look over and I see George Martin walking, and he's you know again it's it's a 
a bar and it's a restaurant. So he got a tray and kind of like a little, it's like a small little restaurant cafeteria and he got some food and, and I said, Oh man, cool. It's George Martin. Right. Yeah. <laughs> eating here. Yeah. Right. George he effing food. Martin. He eats food. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. George Martin. He eats. Right. He yeah. eats like yeah. I eat. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, this is awesome. So, and I, I, I have I actually had a book called the making of Sergeant Pepper, which came out huh. in, in, uh, it was in, in Published, I think, in '94, and I was I had it with me about his experiences of making the Sergeant Pepper album, and I had it brought it to read on the plane. So I had it. I said, "Great, I got the book here. I'll get, you know maybe I can you know somebody introduce me. Oh yeah, say hello to him, shake his hand, have him sign my book, right? So that's how it's that's what happened. So I waited, you know, and, and he sat down there, and then, then I was talking to guys. Oh man, I got George Martin, I got the book, and, and he says, "Oh yeah, I mean, I'll introduce you to him." I said, "Great." So. We're sitting there, and then I looked over to see where he sat down, and I saw Paul McCartney sitting next to him. <laughs> oh, God. I didn't, well, I was talking to the guy. I didn't see McCartney. He walked in, but he was sitting down, and I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. George, <laughs> get out of my way. <laughs> George yeah. who? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, you, hold on that, because okay. i got to talk to this guy. Okay. Right. You know? So I said, so I went, wow, this is amazing. And there he is. And I, So I turned to the guy, and I said, do you have nine one one in England, <laughs> or something? <laughs> I think it's nine equivalent, yeah. equ- equivalent or something. And he goes, "Yeah, why?" I go, "Because I want to have a heart attack." I, he go, <laughs> I, and he goes, "What?" I go, and I kind of you know nodded to him and he, over, it and he said, "Oh yeah." He says he's been here all week. He says he should have been here last week. Uh, Ringo and George were here. Too. Oh, oh my god! Ringo, Ringo and George were here too. You could have met all three of them. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna have, I can't have me? three heart attacks, guy." Yeah, exactly. One's enough. <laughs> yeah. So. So it was amazing. So then he said to me, "Listen, man, I got I got to go do something. Watch my beer. I'll be back in a, in a little while." I said, "Okay." So he left. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, "Okay, well, there he is." I mean, I I, I want to meet both of them, but I definitely want to meet Paul here. But I don't want to go over there because you know I'm I'm an artist myself. I'm here. Right. This is his home. He signs autographs all the time, every day. Right. Going into Abbey Road, going out of Abbey Road, going in and out of his MPL office in, in mm-hmm. downtown. But how many times are you going to get this opportunity? Well, right. But, and yeah. I go, well, you know what? All these years I've I've been at Abbey Road. This is the, le- the only time that I've ever had a chance to meet the guy, and here he is. But what are you going to do? You know. So I had to be respectful, and I didn't want to bother him. So I'm thinking, well, maybe when he leaves, I could. I don't know. What am I going to do here? So I, I'm, think, I'm thinking, right? <laughs> I'm thinking. Pay for wheel, his drink. The, the wheels are going around. <laughs> Give me another Guinness. Yeah. Right, right. So I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about it. And so I had like a little briefcase with me and I had the book in it. And it had, I had a, like a little tiny notebook with a pen. So I took it and I opened it up to a blank page, a little notebook, a tiny one. And I put the pen on it, stuck it on there. And I laid it on my lap. And I was sitting at the bar and I was turning my right a couple times and look at him and when i looked over at him he was staring at me okay because he was facing <laughs> me he was eating and he was facing me you know and he, okay. so he was only about i don't know maybe 15 feet away he was wow. pretty close so he i'd look over and, I, and it got kind of embarrassing it's like i can't look at this guy because right, he knows right, right and i knew it man i knew he got my number you know i kind of look like i'm a younger version of him right and you know my hair was beetle cut at the time and, I, and I'm, I'm he I'm already picked there. you out yeah. Oh, yeah he knew right away okay this guy he's like, okay, might, the bloody yeah, he's a he's a musician but he's a beatles fan yeah, or yeah, yeah. Like, you watch he's gonna come over here and, and and ask me for something so but i didn't i sat there i was cool as could smart be. man didn't fanboy on it no no fanboy none of that good and, and you know because I, I have such reverence and respect for other artists you just don't do that 
Uh, so I just waited, but I was going, man, I got to meet this guy. I've been watching him since the Ed Sullivan show when I was five years old. <laughs> right. Mean, and that's another thing. I was five years old when the Beatles were on the Ed Sullivan show. And I got to see the Beatles live in 1964 when I was five, because my dad said, you can stay past your, up past your bedtime because there's a, a band called the Beatles from England on there. And he didn't know any of the names except he knew Ringo because he was a drummer. Ah, so. he knew the drummer. Uh, yeah. he, knew, he knew the drumming thing. So he, uh, Ring, this guy, the drummer's name is Ringo. He goes, I don't know who the other ones are. So <laughs> no one, it said no one ever, by the way, <laughs> except for John's dad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. exactly. Ringo and three guys. Yeah, Ringo and three But Ringo was the important one. You're right. To my I dad, love that. To I my dad, that. yeah. So fast forward all those years, 95, now I'm going to meet, you know, the Beatle. I mean, one of the Beatles here, you know. Right. So what am I going to do? So I'm hanging out and then so... It, about 20 minutes went by. My, the guy that, the engineer never came back. <laughs> he must have gotten busy with something. <laughs> but anyway, I was sitting there and I, I looked over at McCarty and I just kind of gestured. I had it on my lap. I kind of held it up a, a couple inches off my lap. It's kind of like, hey man, like sheepishly. Oh, right, like right, a right, physical right. sign. Yeah. Right, right. You know, I, I didn't say anything. I said, would you sign? Would you, you know, right. Kind of like that, gave him a look. And he, and, and he liked the, I think he liked the fact that I was respectful to him. Absolutely. And, I go there, and he went and he waved me over. He said, he smiled at me. He said, yeah, you know, he went like, like this. He waved me over. So I went, I turned around. I took a, 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 a good sip of the Guinness. And I, as I turned around and stood up off the bar stool, he came over to me. So when I turned around, he was walking up to me. Oh, so now I didn't have to go over to him. You, made, you made Paul McCartney get up? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, jerk. It, it, was not, <laughs> it was not intentional. Right, no, he was just that nice of a guy. Yeah, he was a gentleman, man. Right. <laughs> guy got up. He saw I wanted to talk to him. He uh, saw that I wanted him to sign something. He got up. He walks over to me. I turn around. Now he's standing there. He's got his hands in his pocket. He's looking at me. And I don't say anything. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm shell-shocked. I'm looking at him and going, this ain't an album cover. You know, this, right, is like a right. real, this is like a real guy, you know? I know, I know it <laughs> is sounds he, Is he bigger or smaller than you expected? He was, oh, he was only about three inches taller than me. And I'm 5'7". Okay. He's about 5'9". Five, five, okay. Uh, 5'10", okay. maybe 5'10". Okay. And um, I couldn't believe how young he looked, too. Now, you got to remember, he's 76 now. He was 53 then. Okay. I, was, I was like 36 or something like that. Okay. But he was he looked a lot younger than 53. He looked like he was like in his early, like mid-40s, mid early 40s. Okay. Mm -hmm. He looked really good. No wrinkle. He looked great. I feel like that's how he's still doing it to yeah, the high still, level he is today. He still, looks, he still yeah. looks great for his age. Yep. And so he stood there, and I looked at him, and I, he didn't say it. It was a hesitation. I looked at me, and, he, and I said, Hey, Paul, I'm John. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> You're like, John. Hi. And he goes, hey, John. First thing he said, he shook my hand. He said, are you working here? Yeah. And I said, yeah, man, I got, you know, I got this session coming up next week. And he said, oh, cool. You want me to sign something? And I said, yeah, you know, would you, you know, I, I handed him the, the paper and he signed an autograph. And, and then he said, good luck in your recording, man. Good luck in your recording. And he kind of, he patted me on my shoulder and I was like, wow, this is like, uh, that is this awesome. is like a blessing of a king and, of rock and roll. And you yeah. never watch that show. Almost like again. the king, almost like from Elvis, but it's Paul McCartney. Yeah, you know? well, he is knighted now. So he is, well, he, you were yeah. patted on well, the back by a knight. He well, may not well, have been a knight then. Two years, he was two years out. It was two, two years oh, later. Oh, so he was two years later he was knighted. But you know what? He was a beetle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, got, you got the best grace that you could have gotten. Uh, That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So it was really cool because he says, good luck in your recording. And then he shook my hand again. And then he stepped back and he can't. He, can look, he gave some people a thumbs up. There was a couple of people there that he knew. He thumbs up and off he went. And then I sat down and went like, 
what just happened? Yeah. And like, <laughs> and was that real? And yeah. what's like yeah. nothing to him is everything to you. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Wow. He'll do that. He'll you know, do I was that. just another guy, you know. But, oh, but the yeah. cool the, here's the cool thing. He didn't treat me like a fan because I didn't act like a fan. No, yeah. You played right. it cool. I, I played it very cool. And I tell you, I, 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 I think back and I go, wow, you, you met one of your one of your childhood heroes here. You know, I could have been like, Jackie Gleason. Yeah, tripping over every word, not even getting a word I mean, out. Yeah, I would have been. Oh, 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 oh. I feel like that's a that, that you, funny you bring that up. That's a huge secret to life that I'm not as old. I'm not, I don't have the age and wisdom you do, but I have much more than John Hannon here. And so let me teach you a little lesson, John Hannon. Lay it Something on me. I've learned through life that I'm sure John Babcock will agree with is mm-hmm. act like you've been there before. Yes. That gets you a long way. Yeah, it does. Act like you've been there before. I, and also. Ask for forgiveness, not permission. Anytime I've ever done anything That's cool right. in my life, it's because I just sacked up and did it and was like, if they if they if they catch me in it, I'll just say, I'm sorry, I didn't know I couldn't do That's that. That's right. That's and, right. And, and I'll stop doing that now. Yeah, there's a, there's an old saying that we used to say in the British Invasion um, about Disney. Okay, never wake the sleeping bear. Okay. Okay. That's All right. It. Just do what you just do your thing. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't say anything. Yeah, if you exactly. ask, they'll go. Nope. Nope, can't yeah, do that. No, exactly. You get shut down all day long if yeah. you ask. Sometimes yeah, just you just got to yep, do it do and, and hope for the best, man. All right. Well, okay. So let's cut to a break. Yeah. And then um, we'll we're going to go back th- in. Um, gonna, second break. We're going to go to uh, the title track off of his latest album. Boys and my girls, yeah. gather around. Gather around. Yeah, we're sitting here at the with John Babcock. Here on Top Secret and music. Oh, Victorian spirits, see sounds of color, hear tales of lustful encounters, love lost and found, and fallen and risen kings. Come on, put up your money, you won't be disappointed.
right, coming back in for episode 82. 82, um, we're back. That was the Welcome to My World. Title track off yeah. of his latest album, um, Welcome to My World. Yeah, from our guest, uh, John Babcock. Uh, With the intro by uh, the guys from Phantasmagoria. John, John Tiziano. Hey. Oh, uh, uh, other side. Hey, oh, I there it is. Hey, okay. oh, I was like, there it is. It sounds like he's underwater Silly. now. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was me. Yeah. I had it turned around. Uh, yeah, John Donna and his cool, lovely wife Dion. Dion is on the on the cover, uh, and the uh, the troupe is called Phantasmagoria. And I've been working with them uh, last couple of years, and I got to be friends with them. And uh, John and his wife uh, directs and writes all, all the uh, the pieces for uh, the Phantasmagoria troupe. There's about thirty. 25 or 30 uh, different artists that are in it, and uh, they've toured all over the world and you know, all the country. And they're, I think they're based out of the uh, Shakespeare Theater in Orlando. So, oh, really? Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, 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 they're great. We, uh, when me and Coleman were listening to that track uh, like earlier in the week, or, uh, it, it got so um, catchy, <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I'm sitting there humming it while we're hanging it's out. Definitely and, an earworm track. <laughs> yeah, the, the the chorus. I don't the know. Chorus is. I mean, I don't know. If you, you know, I guess you can't really plan those. Those just happen organically. Yep. They either stick with you or you don't, or they don't. And I feel like it speaks volumes to the to the songwriting that it sticks with you like it does. It was well, stuck in my head. Yeah, yeah. good job. Well, there. that's the thing. See, that's the thing. You know, like you know, the catchy pop tunes like that. I mean, I've written heavier rock stuff. I've done ballads. I've done all kinds of stuff, but. You know, I love all kinds of genres of music, and my dad, again, uh, you know, I give him credit on teaching me, you know, to play the drums to start with, but then he, I was listening to jazz, I was listening to R&B, you know, I grew up in a high school that was uh, multicultured, so I listened to Latin music. Any, uh, to, any doo-wop? Yeah, yeah, a little yeah. bit, yeah, because I'd hear it from the old man, he would he would play some stuff, you know, some, you know, he was into... Um, uh, a band called the Four Aces, actually, which was pre uh, pre uh, doo wop, and 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 uh, of course I love uh, the Four Seasons, uh, uh, Little Darling, one uh, of my favorite records by the Diamonds. Okay. Um. So yeah. So there was, it was a little bit of that, a little, a little bit of everything. But Smokey uh, Robinson, of course. Oh yeah, all the R and B stuff. But because you know, like you asked me earlier about like when I was playing drums, I was telling it was like fifteen, sixteen before I started learning to you know to to play other instruments and to write and all that. I was playing with a, a band where I was like the only white guy in the band and I was the drummer and the lead singer and I was playing, you know, Stevie Wonder's tracks and, and, and Cool in the Gang and all that. So I love the R&B <laughs> stuff. Really. I love that yeah. too. Well, as a drummer, you got to love that stuff. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Well, that's, the thing. that's the rhythm. That's the real start of the rhythm I was, stuff, especially oh, yeah. with the I, Latin stuff too. There's yep. so much rhythm in Yeah, all so that. the Latin thing came also from her father. Because he was teaching me like bossa novas and, cool. and merengues and all these drumming things. That's cool. So by the time I was 15, 16, I was like a young guy that knew how to play all this old type yeah. stuff that most guys only knew how to play rock and roll and stuff. And the old heads respect that. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. The old heads respect yeah. that. So yeah. it was kind of cool. So, you know, that's a lot of different genres of music that I, I actually learned to do. And this album, like all my stuff that I've done, uh, the couple hundred songs I've, I've actually recorded and released over uh, 12 albums uh there's a lot of different stuff yeah it's it's catchy it's a lot of the stuff is you know it's what you listen to i mean some of my stuff i've uh, you can hear the little motown influence in it yeah you can obviously hear all the mccartney so, Beatles stuff you know so like is welcome to my world for like the album title um kind of just like uh, uh the, the flavors that you can um bring out musically that you have yeah. within you or is that like a good interpretation of that or or why did you title it welcome to my world well, besides that, the single yeah, well, that that was just because, you know, the song, that song actually came about because another influence, which is, for me, was uh, Brian Wilson's writing. 
Okay, yeah. Fun. And the, and the Beach Boys harmonies and all that. I, you, I get, love you get that from that album. I, yeah. I hear that. Early Brian Wilson. Yeah, early, yeah, early, yeah. early Beach Boys. And, and um, I what happened was that song, I wrote that song a, a day after seeing the movie that came out, I guess it was four years ago, that, uh, Love and Mercy. The film that was um, never that was heard a, of that. Oh, it was a great film. It was in the theaters. It was about about Brian Wilson's life and everything he went through. Oh, with the really? Beach Boys. Yeah, it's a great I, film. I don't remember hearing about it either. Oh, I'd be interested to watch that because oh. I'd like to know more about. I know yeah. there's a lot of interesting stuff before you know, but leading up to Pet Sounds and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's all about what he went through and, and the doctor that he had that helped him in some ways, but hurt him in some other ways. A little bit of Manson in there, maybe. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was that's yeah. a crazy connection, dude. Oh yeah, yeah it goes. It's, it's all there. It's all it's all about Brian Wilson's how he produced the records and and his life and the struggles he went through with his his um, uh, medical conditions and things that he had during the '60s and '70s, and him and his wife actually uh, were the um, executive producers on it, so. It it was really done, you know. Oh wow! Very accurately. I was going to yeah. say pretty accurate. Then, yeah, it's I not. Assume. It's not like a tabloid thing. It's it's like the okay. real deal. It's called Love and Mercy. Love and Mercy. All yeah. right. Well, you guys yeah. check that out. I know I'm going to look for it yeah. now for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I believe. Yeah, and, and and the film um was released nationally. Um, and so yeah, definitely check it out. And so what happened was I saw the movie. I went and saw the film in the theater, and uh, I came back from there and go, oh, I just I rekindled my love for Brian Wilson's uh, uh production and his writing and. And uh, the Beach Boys, you know, and so that song, I sat down the piano and that welcome, welcome to my world. That's the first thing that kind of came out. I, you know, I wrote it like in about 45 minutes. And <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was one <laughs> of those crazy. things. That kinda, <laughs> because because I was so, you know, it was only a day after. Yeah, I, yeah, I saw you're the film super and I was inspired. So, so everything's yeah. flowing in and there. I, I like, feel oh like, oh, my yeah. God, I love these songs. And, I, and, and you know, the, in the film, you hear good vibrations. I was going to say songs. you had all the melodies from this from yeah. the movie still in your head. And yeah. So that's why it comes out. So Brian yeah. was heavy, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh. And, and then what happened was as I was writing, I was re I realized, well, this is kind of like a, my little, you know, tribute to Brian Wilson, really. Right. Yeah. 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 So well, and you can up, hear it. Yeah, you can hear it. So what happens when I ended up, you know, you could hear it in the track. When I recorded it, then after I wrote the song, I said, well, I got it. If I'm going to do this and make it kind of my little tribute uh, to Brian Wilson, then I got to do kind of like little Beach Boys type harmonies at the end. Right. So if you listen to the end of it, you'll hear me doing like the Michael love, bop, 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 you know, that stuff. Right, right. And you can hear it. Do you get real high? I, I, Ooh, wee! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little surf yeah. rock in there yeah, too. I, had right? a, I said, "Well, I gotta do it." You know, nice, nice. If I didn't, and I, I, I made sure that I did. I only did it on the end of the song because that was the whole point. The, like, I didn't want to load the song up, right. and make it a Beach Boy song. I wanted it to be a tribute. And I said, "Well, at the end when the key change happens, I gotta do that little thing." So that's what I did. That's well, cool. Yeah, that's and, cool. well, balance is important too, yeah. of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and then there's one song, one more song that we're gonna play like at the end of the the show and yeah, the segment going out song. Mm -hmm. It's um, it's masterpiece yeah it's and, called uh, masterpiece yeah, yeah and i figured I, I wanted to talk a little bit about that now because uh this woman right behind me where, where'd she go she's down uh oh below she's one, there. Of, the, she's right one of these lower, pictures lower, there she there is, she is uh, right behind leslie you. pearl leslie yeah. pearl she's got the whole album there signed and uh yep. so supposedly she had recorded something previously that you used for masterpiece right Right, at, at yeah. it songs. was a song that she had, right? Called yeah, Masterpiece. So it was a demo or... she did. There See, you go. I met her in 1979 uh, at the Suede Studio, the one I originally when we started awesome. off this. Uh, oh, right. Okay. This podcast we talked about the Suede Recording Studio, and Bob Suede uh, brought in a couple of uh, background singers for a song, a couple of songs I was doing, and uh, she came in. Uh, 
and she sang background vocals on this one, a couple of songs. And so I had not, after, after I'm, she did it a couple of times. She came in for a couple of sessions, and then I lost track of her all through the 80s and 90s and into the 2000s. It happens. You lose touch. Yeah. You yeah. know, well, I moved to Florida, like I say, in the 90s, so I wasn't in touch with that many people except for family up in New York. So, But then when I was working on this album, I found this cassette that I had. I had this old cassette and it had that she gave me that had like eight, of her original songs on it. And it was just demos that she had recorded around that time when uh, she worked on my songs. And uh, it had this song masterpiece on it. And I didn't know, actually know that was the name of it because there was no titles written down, but the hook was so predominant in the song that I, I figured it has to be called masterpiece. Right. So what, what, it, what was, so to give context, what's Leslie Pearl most famous for uh, like the, her, most famous she, single or? She, she has she, this yeah. album on the wall here which yeah. is Words and Music it's called Words and Music yeah, yeah. that's the, the only album she ever released the only solo album she okay. had a, she had an album that she did with her sister Debbie who, that, and this, Debbie's how I actually located Leslie uh, two years ago in order to work with her again and say hello um, she um, it, it's Words and Music it was recorded in 1982 she wrote the whole album produced it her sister also sang on it she had a lot of famous Will Lee Will Lee plays bass on it. Okay. 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 Uh, and, Paul Schaefer, we talked about earlier. Paul Schaefer's playing keyboards on it. Oh, so right. some of the best of the best so of, that, that, of studio musicians of New York played on it. Right? That, okay. That's what she's uh, most famous for, I well, guess she, you would say? No, she's most famous for being the person that wrote the Folger commercial. The, the, the jingle. The jingle. The, the best part of waking up is Folger's in your cup. Right, Bing. right. Yeah, she she wrote that. That's not you know. She wrote a lot of stuff. She oh, did that. Damn. Now we owe her royalties. Oh, crap. <laughs> we'll cut that. All out. them, all the twenty five dollars. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. We're, we, we break even now. <laughs> see? Oh man. See, see what you do. Damn it. <laughs> I bring up these stories. Yeah. So she, uh, yeah, she wrote that, and she wrote she wrote for I think she wrote for Pepsi, Coca Coca Cola, a lot of a lot of different people. But she did. She sang on a lot of people's records. But this record she did had a single on it called "If the Love Fits, Wear It." And it was a. It, this is a major release. She was on RCA Records, as big as you're gonna get. And it, it, she, she, the, the record. Uh, I think it broke the top twenty. I think it went to top. Uh, I think it uh, highest it went was twenty eight. But uh, it's one of those lost, great lost, beautiful love ballads that she did. Uh, she, she's very. Um, to me, she was always very uh, Carol Kingish. Okay. 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 Uh, uh, you know, great voice uh, then oh yeah you great voice and great songwriter she's cool. a wonderful songwriter uh she's right in there with uh in my opinion with carol king and, and carly simon uh and she should have been a household word but she, she you know she didn't choose to do that she had a very lucrative career uh in doing uh commercials and jingles and she didn't want to tour i i and i, I didn't know this until i got back in touch with her and then uh, the way I got back in touch with her was actually through her sister, Debbie, who did a film. She's a film director out in L.A. And uh, she did a movie with uh, Ed Asner uh, two years ago. That wow. Was very, yeah, with Ed, yeah, the great Ed famous Asner. Famous guy. Uh, Mary Tyler Moore show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just another famous guy. Yep. Another famous guy. Yep. <laughs> uh, but she, uh, uh, Debbie Pearl, uh, directed the film. And I think it was at the Sundance uh, Festival. And it did very well. So she was on Facebook, and being I'm on Facebook, I went on there and saw Debbie Pearl, and I said, I wonder if this, I wonder if, well, I knew it. I said, well, that's Debbie. That's, that's you know, Leslie's sister, because right. I knew she had a sister, Debbie, because they did an album together prior to 1982's Words and Music, um, and it was just called Pearl. It was a, an album that they did in 77. Again, more famous people playing on it. Uh, Russ Kunkel, who played on 
uh, on James Taylor's records. Uh, oh, wow. Was uh, the drummer on that back in 77. And it was a major release on, it was the Stones label, London Records. Okay. Okay. All right. And uh, yeah. And so her sister and her did this album together. Leslie wrote the songs and produced it. And, and Debbie did the vocal, most of the vocals on it. And the album did reasonably well. Um, and then, so I knew Debbie because of that album. And, and so, you, had, you had already had like the record that Leslie I had, had the, done? Yeah, I had I had the album. I had the original album, which I had back in, in when she came in to sing on my song in 79, I borrowed the album from my producer, Bob Swade. So that's how I knew that she already had done something, right? Her and her ah, sister. Gotcha. So uh, to me, you know, being 18, hey, I got a famous person singing. You know, she's a yeah. major recording artist with her <laughs> yeah. sister. Yeah. So that was cool. Uh, the other, I got to mention too, Two other uh, uh, great uh, uh, musicians, uh, singers that that at that time worked with me, with Leslie was a guy named Zach Sanders, a, a great singer, uh, and a guy named Keith Loving. And Keith, I'm still uh, good friends with him um, online. And Keith uh, was Barry Manilow's guitar player on tour. Oh wow! In the seventies, mm, at the right. height, at the height of. Uh, uh, Manilow's uh, top 40 success and he also played on some great hit records he played on uh, 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 Roberta Flack's uh, what was it uh, Feel Like Making Love oh wow that's Feel oh. Like Making Love oh, to that's, You yeah that's his guitar riff on that's there. him oh, that's, that's cool. him play. Yeah, well, that's awesome yeah he played on and, and he played on, on, on Barry's stuff so he, he again he was brought in to play on my song right. and, when I was working with uh, Bob Swade so that was a really cool thing and then she you know, I got in touch with her, and uh, she remembers who I was. I got I got her telephone number from from her sister, and I called her up and That's introduced cool. you myself. Just cold called her after two decades or whatever. Well, no, it was more than yeah. it was three it was, decades. Right? No, yeah. it was forty. You know, it was forty years. Wow, uh, thirty. Wow. Well, thirty-eight year, thirty-eight years. And um, and you're like, hey, do you? Remember I said, me? I said, hey, Leslie. I said, uh, this is John Babcock. I don't know if you remember me, but uh, Debbie gave your sister Debbie gave me your number. Um, do you remember? Bob Swade and she said yeah she goes she goes oh I said you sang on my stuff you know John do you remember the young guy Bob she goes oh yeah I remember of course I remember you John yeah and she was sweet and so I told her hey you know I made a career out of it you know I, I never stopped writing and recording and I've re recorded over a dozen albums that have been released in some foreign territories germany and right, england right all kind of markets yeah different things i said but uh you know and i told her about the cassette and i said you know i'm doing this new album this is in 2017 when i was putting the album together and i said you know most of the songs are my songs but i love this tune you did i think it's called masterpiece and she didn't remember it okay so i sent her she must have recorded I, a lot yeah of i emailed her the song well, the okay never mind <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no no she was she was great and i said well I, you know she didn't remember the, the the cassette she gave me i said well let me send you these songs and you you know you should have them anyway maybe you know you'd like to hear them again and i sent her the songs and i sent her the one that i wanted to do and and she said yeah i kind of remember them and she goes oh yeah you got my blessing go ahead and do it you know and she goes i love to hear how it how it turns out when you get it done and she was very uh honored that i would want to do that i was honored to have her you know uh, say yes but yeah i asked yeah. her one more thing i said would you would you mind if I actually use your recording? I said, listen to it first and make sure you like your performance. Right, so I said, right. It was a long <laughs> yeah. time ago. Yeah, I mean, if you I, hate it. I don't like don't people. Yeah, there. I don't. As an artist, I don't like people using my stuff unless yeah, I okay. Ew, yeah. I sound like that crap. Makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that was thirty years ago. I don't really want that out there. Right. So, <laughs> so out of respect to her, I said, you know, I could do the song, but I'd like to ha use you singing the chorus parts on the original and part of your piano, because the demo was on the cassette was just her singing live, uh, with a, a, a upright 
piano. And I said, okay, well, I could, you know, with the technology we have, again, it's nice to have uh, yep, yep. Pro Tools. That okay? stuff helps. Yeah. I said, well, let me fly this thing in. I mean, if she says it's cool, I'm just going to have her sing, you know, with me on the chorus parts. And I'll sing the verses and re-record the piano part, the rest of it, and, and then overdub all the instruments. I played all the bass and drum parts and guitar and all that. Yeah. So multi-tracked everything around the original and flew the part in that she originally did. So I sent it to her. She goes, yeah, it's okay. She said, you know, if you, if it doesn't work, I'll sing it again for you. She oh, offered to awesome. you know, she I offered said, to do it live yeah, thirty I, years later. Yeah, because I said, you know, you know, we talked about it. I said, no, I said, I think it's great what you did. I love what you did. If you're okay with it, I think I can make it work. Yeah, yeah. well, good. And I mean, yeah. that's and it that's works. the song that we're going to be playing at the end. And yeah. that's off of the uh, the new album. Yeah, Welcome you, to my world. Yep, masterpiece. I feel yeah. like with what Leslie a great Pearl. way to wrap up the show that we've for, uh, been doing too. Also, is well, masterpiece. Ma- this masterpiece of a show wrapped up with the song masterpiece. Right. It's and fitting. One question I have though regarding you know her her leslie pearl's part on that what did she did she give you any feedback on the final the final piece oh she really liked it a lot. She, yeah that's yeah. great that's great okay. yeah, she she really, blessing yeah. on so using it did justice it and gave you the blessing on the final yeah she, yeah yeah i, I said awesome. i said it to her and i said you know if you're not happy with the mix i can always remix it but I, I, this is kind of what i saw how to approach it and she was like i mean i love your take it was, on it yeah she loved it that's she cool really did. and i was so I, I was i was really concerned about that because it's her song you know and she was even kind enough uh to say you know what that song could be used by the folgers people for something <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily yeah. for folgers coffee but she's, i haven't heard it yet but does it go the best no no, no. waking up <laughs> is masterpiece, masterpiece in your, your cup, cup. No, <laughs> yeah. is she a one, one trick pony <laughs> no but it was, it's the I, I guess it's the commercial people that she that, that she knows okay you know okay. not necessarily yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just the like yeah. the melody yeah they well, could well yeah she was just thinking that maybe through her connection she's still connected with the people that that uh, i guess that she still deals with uh, on a commercial level and and i said well yeah you know so and she said well if i can do something with it i'll you know i'll split the royalties with oh you. that's awesome and i was like Okay, thank, I'll, thank get, you. I'll make some royalties yeah. off the thing that I used that you originally yeah. recorded. That's well, she great. said, "Yeah, right. well, how giving." Well, her whole thing was that I wouldn't even know. I didn't even don't even remember the song, right? And, and you brought you, know, it, you brought it back to life. Yeah, yeah. so that's cool. Absolutely, you know? yeah, that yeah. was cool that you did that, okay. and that she was yeah. so cool about and, uh, it. And we got like ten minutes left, give or Ooh. take. Um, and I wanted to like let's uh okay so oh, no but more, the horrors yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah no more music talk because i hear that it's your secret t- obsession is horror movies yeah and, old like, horror movies on top of conspiracy anything uh yeah, yeah. thriller jfk conspiracy. <laughs> i love it i love it <laughs> we gotta yeah. do a whole nother show about more music yeah. next time next JFK time we'll get together we'll do a jfk uh, please conspiracy i love yeah. that so much uh, yeah, yeah exactly I'm really yeah. i'm all about that I've been, I've been studying that thing since i was a kid so i got i know a little bit awesome. about it i dig it i dig it so do i okay so yeah yeah so you're because I know you write a little bit, so I want to talk about your writing, and I know you are a horror buff, so yeah. I want to talk a little bit about that. Right. Yeah, but it's like um, things you have coming up in the future, near future too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We yeah. can wrap it up on that. Yeah, I like that. Okay, well, as you so, see, you see lots of uh, famous people that uh, horror people that autographs here. So. Yeah, well, that's how I picked up on the obsession. It seems like I, I would say of all of your memorabilia, like thirty percent of it is horror esque, yeah, absolutely uh, type of things. Um, why? W- why? Yeah, where, where did What's you get your, deal, where did your love for that start? I mean, obviously, you grew up in Nyack, New York, yep. and you talked about the theater that yep. you kind yep. of grew up loving yep. as a child, right? You yep. probably saw a lot of a lot of some of these films yeah. in that very theater. Yep, Rockland Theater. But, so, okay, so what do you like about it though? Is it like the makeup, or do you like the, uh, no, the it's scare? Just, no, it's just great the way the film was like noir. You know, I mean, like I like I like film noir. Like like the Universal Monsters is some of the greatest stuff ever done. 
I mean, Boris Karloff and Lugosi. I mean, yeah, wow. Lugosi Amazing. immediately. Lugosi and Boris Karloff. Yeah. Those are the, and well, then Vincent Price. Those are see, like your three names. That, yeah, that's, that's yeah, yeah. Vincent Price, uh, you know, Amazing. The House on Hornet Hill, one of my favorite films of all time. The original, of course. See, I haven't seen the original. A lot of these I've seen, all these remakes, but yeah. still haven't seen the original. Uh, the remake was okay, but the original is, is, yeah. is, is the bomb. Oh, I feel like so many yeah. of these horror movies are remake heavy. Yeah, they, no, they are. And I feel like some of them are good and have done them justice, and, yeah. but I feel like a lot of them, the original is where it's at. Absolutely. I'm, I'm definitely about the originals. The So what happened was, you talked about the Rockland Theater. That was uh, my hometown theater, and it was built in 1928. They tore it down in 78. Um, nice so it's fifty stood, year run. Yeah, fifty year 50 run. Fifty exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, it 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 closed up actually in the late sixties due to television really and cable co- coming in. Uh, people weren't going to the the, the theater. The t- television. Uh, the Walmart it, of media. Yeah. Yeah, monopolizing it, killing yeah. the mom and pop. But yeah. what but what happened was I went to one of the last um, uh, horror shows there, which was really cool. My my uncle Tom Lyons, um, he lives up in, still lives up in uh, upstate New York. Him and his lovely. Wife Penny, they, um, he took me to this in 65. I was six years old to this movie. They had a movie there called Frankenstein 1970 with Boris Karloff. And it was actually a film that was made in 1958 and they were showing it. They renamed it 1970, Frankenstein 1970, and they showed it in 65. And so I go there as a six year old with my, uh, my uncle and they're having a, a live, um, they called it back then spook shows and it was oh so live, not, not live. on a screen yeah well they showed a movie first which was the, the boris karloff movie they showed that first and then there was going to be intermission uh-huh. and then they showed this supposed to show this hour and a half two hour live that's crazy. actors yeah frank you know one In full doing, makeup yeah. yeah full makeup one doing the frankenstein monster another one mm. doing lugosi another one doing uh that's the cool. mummy uh, uh all this great stuff and they were direct from hollywood it was a, a, a traveling troupe that was in New York, uh, working in New York City, doing the showdown there. But they came up to play in my hometown. One show only it was on a Saturday. I'll never forget it. We went down there. It was in the summer of 1965, and we went there, and it was amazing. And we go in there, got the popcorn, and I wrote actually uh, a story about it that was uh, released nationally last year uh, in a magazine called Monster Bash. Absolutely. Oh, that's the one no, that we had here. Yeah, yeah right. we have that right here. See, yeah. I was going to segue, right. yeah, from that horror stuff. And you can see that how you, you kind of came into the yeah. mon- the monster bash. Yeah, I, I've got to give credit to uh, the the uh, founder of the magazine, publisher, Ron, editor, designer, Ron Adams. Right, Ron, Ad, my old friend, Ron Adams uh, is uh, is a, a, a horror kid like I am. We grew up. Uh, he grew up, I believe, in Philly, um, and I grew up in New York. Um, but we, I'm so sorry for him. No, uh, oh, <laughs> don't go there now with that. We'll, you don't want to. You don't. My co-host is from Philly, so uh, I yeah, on he's him giving me a hard time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's okay. Though. I love Philly. He hasn't yeah. asked you yet if you have any water, but we haven't gone there. <laughs> water, <laughs> Philadelphia. <laughs> uh, let me get you some cream cheese, sir. Sorry. Anyways, <laughs> off digress. the beaten path. I digress. Coleman. I digress. <laughs> I like I like the cheesecake, the, 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 the cheesecake and the cheesesteak. Cheesecake yep. and cheesecake. I will take both yeah. as well. Soft pretzels. Yes. Yeah, it's all good. All right. So <laughs> what happened was um, he, uh, Ron Adams, saw me playing with the British Invasion back in 2000, 2001. Okay. And he had a shirt on. It was like a monster. He had a monster bash shirt on. Or he had a, sh- a shirt on. It was a monster or something. And I said, and I thought he was somebody else. And then we became friends. We, uh, we emailed each other. And then for 20 years, he's been trying to get me to go up and do my Paul McCartney show as a solo for his Monster Bash weekend up there. So I went up. I finally went up in 2017 and as a guest. And I was also one of the dealers up there. And I, I rubbed elbows with some of the, uh, the original, the only original Universal Monster actor 
is still uh, still alive. He's in his 90s. He was the creature from the Black Lagoon. No way. Yeah, and him That's and his cool. daughter were still there and met him, and I worked with a couple other guys. Uh, now they call it the creature from the African-American Lagoon, but yeah, that's fine. Times have changed. Yeah, you don't want to be... Yeah. <laughs> Racist yeah. idols. That's not crazy. universal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey, you're right, you're I'm right. I'm not interested if it's not original. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, so I got to meet all these cool people up there, and um, I performed. I did a 45-minute set. They had a band up there of guys called the, the Monster Bash Band. The Bash Boys. Bash Boys. Yeah, they backed me up. I, I brought my Hoffner bass with me, and I did the thing, and it was I cool. Love, I love the Hoffner bass. Yeah, Hoffner bass is it good rules. Stuff, it did that, and um, and so I wrote this article about this going to the Rockland Theater and seeing this show with my uh, my That's uncle cool. as a six year old. You remembered it. It was yeah, that I memorable to yeah. you. Well, it was memorable because the show had a sudden stop. And yeah. what, what happened was the movie was fine. We watched the film. I loved it. Boris Karloff. They took a, a, we got some more popcorn and soda during the 20 minute intermission, intermission. And then all of a sudden in came, um, the, um, the guy that was, uh, the director of the, uh, the theater, the manager, and he introduced this show direct from Hollywood, um, house of Li the living dead was what it was called. And uh, it that was the spook show. Quote that unquote. was the spook show. Okay. That was the name of it. Okay. Direct from Hollywood. And they came out. And it opened up, the curtain opened up, and the lights dimmed, and you had a spotlight, a single spotlight on this guy that looked like Dracula in the full cape and the whole thing. And he was sawing this woman in half. It was awesome. Yeah, did it look real? It really looked real. Yeah. And I'm Ooh. sitting there, like, biting my nails. I loved it. And yeah, then you're six, so you're very I'm, impressionable and naive. Well, I was watching. Believing all of this, well, it, too, again, by the way. Well, it all goes back to Chiller Theater, because I used to watch Creature Feature on, on uh, Channel 5, and Chiller Theater was... Saturday nights when I was a kid in the 60s a lot a lot like uh, Ron Adams too in Philly we watched uh, there would be a horror host like Elvira or something like that later on uh, uh, there was a uh, a lot of d different horror hosts and they would show these old movies so that's yeah. we watched them as a kid that's cool okay so, so yeah. they're like featuring just different horror like yeah, yeah horror. just paying homage okay. to the classics yeah. yeah but at the end it wasn't a classic they were just old movies right, you know? right but here it is 1965 and we're watching the thing and the guy saw the the woman in half, and then a little later, I remember out, down the down out of this door uh, uh, next to the stage was the Frankenstein monster, and he had like glow paint on his on his face. It was all green, and he was coming down the aisle, and I was thrilled. It was scary. I loved it, and everybody was screaming. And then all of a sudden, the lights went out, and then I heard like something go like that. It's just it sounds just like that. So like zoom past your ear. It's something zoom. Yeah, wait, like that. And I was like. What was that? And then it was all this like yelling and cursing and all this stuff going on. People screaming. What, was it like a fight? It sounded like it sounded like it was just chaos, total chaos. Okay. For about a, thirty seconds, and then the lights came up, and the performers were running off. The, the The Frankenstein monster was running away. The guy left the stage. The manager ran up on the stage and he, he and he grabbed the microphone. And he said, "This show is over." It, it, you know, these performers came from California and they've never been treated so disrespectfully. And what was it's go over. Wait, what's going on? What happened was a bunch of high school kids from Nyack High School, my old alma mater, came down there with dozens and dozens of eggs. 
<laughs> Great. And, then, nice. and when the lights went out, they went and threw the eggs at the performers and, the, and everything. So there was eggs all so over the So Frankenstein's seats. on stage dodging. Yeah. <laughs> dodging yeah. Way to be dodging eggs. Way to ruin the show, guys. Nyack, New York, high schoolers. That's right. Those were your friends, John. No, those well, were performing. That was class, that was, class yeah. of 65. That was before my time. He was uh, six. So yeah. he's like, ah, I'm, these Nyack kids. I am sure jerks. when this goes out there, somebody from the class of 65 is going to go, yeah, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> well, you ruined his first horror experience, but also made it very memorable. So thank you. You I gave Dracula class of six a good and you're most welcome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so that's, that's funny. So that so was cool. So that, you wrote that. You wrote about yeah, that. Yeah, I wrote. And it yeah. went into Monster Bash. Is it in this this uh, this uh, this one I'm holding right now? Yes, it is. It's, okay. it's in that. It's in that issue. And you can you can get that at creepyclassics.com. Check cool. it out. If you're if you're a monster kid, uh, if you're a new monster kid, if you're a young kid that likes classic monsters, go to creepyclassics.com. Ron Adams, my good friend, and you could get. Any DVD of these movies, that, which is that, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that you what you can't find. Yeah, you can't online, find. That's what I'm saying. I haven't seen a lot of these because yeah. they're not just like floating around the internet. You know. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, so yeah you well, go that, that's the only other place I could think of is johnbabcockmusic.com. I think you have the, some of There's the articles. This? Some yes. of the articles that you have written. That's uh, beautiful. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah. The art, and I yeah. feel like that article you just spoke of is like I said in this ep, in this issue 33 here yes. because uh, the last spook show. Yeah, I feel like that's that's the that's way the you one. just and referenced. Yeah, actually, that. you can read it. You can read it on my website, babcockmusic.com. Go into the review section, and you can read about uh, that article I wrote. I wrote a, a, a beautiful story for Classic Drummer Magazine. That's also up there about my my dad's uh, Gretsch, yeah. Gretsch drums. That's too. sweet. That's kind of, oh, right, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. That's cool. You can check and that. then, um, and then launch. Lon Chaney, Lon Chaney Jr. up there. Look, yeah, Lon Chaney. That's another huge one. That, I mean, that autograph, an original, nineteen forty three. That was signed. <laughs> That's Old, an autograph older page than, from older than all of us. Yep. Yeah, that's crazy. That's signed by Lon Chaney Jr. 1943. Wow. And Evelyn Anchors, and that was him as the, the Wolfman. Is the Wolfman? Yeah. Yep. That's, and that's Evelyn Anchors. That was signed in '64. Wow. And also, oh my God, there's so many things up here. Jerry Lewis, Nutty yeah. Professor, signed by Jerry. Hey. Ladies, <laughs> ladies, ladies. ladies. <laughs> uh, nice interview, lovely I, interview. I like how you know it went from you know he started with his yeah. you know writing, but you've also in the in the near future you've got your your book coming up. That's you know, right. Talking about That's you, right. And that Thanks kind for, of goes into photography a little bit. Thanks for bringing it up. This I've man got, loves all mediums. I, I hey right know, like I, a Swiss not? Army knife of yeah, of of, yeah. of of art of, of yeah. everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's nice. I never heard it put that way. I like that. Oh, well, <laughs> I'll have to use it on my website. Like that. There you go. Swiss Army knife. I'll give you. I'll give you credit. I'll give you credit. Uh, yeah, uh, I've got a, a book that I'm going to put out, uh, you know, hopefully by the end of the year, maybe next year. Um, it's it's a it's a coffee table book, and it's it's my grandfather's photographs. My my father's father, Jack, uh, Bab- John Babcock, actually John Victor Babcock, which I, my namesake. Okay. Um, he um, he was a really good photographer. I mean, he took a lot of wonderful uh, Americana stuff, upstate New York, New York City stuff. Uh, between 1930 and the, in the mid 60s, maybe 64, 65. So, I'm like the family archivist uh, for all of his work he's done. He's he. I he see sh- why you are that. Yeah. Well, in this my, room, I feel like that, archival runs in he, your blood. That's what it is. Man. Absolutely. It's, it's, the, it's, the family has pegged you with the right task. It, it yeah, is, you ain't kidding, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I try to do it with great reverence and respect. But he uh, he did some wonderful stuff that, you know, I I just. I've had all the stuff of his for years since he passed away in 89. And, uh, you know, he took a lot of color stuff, but the black and white stuff is amazing. I, I love uh, black and white photography anyway. I do too. You know, really it's something, some, something great about it. You know, yeah. the, 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 the darks and grays. And he, um, he took this great stuff between 1930 and the sixties. And I, um, I said, you know what? I saw a lot of stuff that like Americana stuff of, 
you know, different places and stuff during, like after World War II that's done. And, and I thought, man, his stuff is just as good as this stuff I'm seeing. And, uh, and I, so I said, I, I, I looked at all the stuff. I had a couple hundred photographs to go through and I picked out the best 50 of people, places from 1930. That's cool. Of that so, era. Of huh? that era. Yeah. yeah, yeah. From, basically over three decades that he did. Well, yeah. And, and like yeah. that, the generation gap that is now, yeah. um, that's a totally different it's culture. definitely something they it can is. look back yeah, and people, appreciate. Yeah. People enjoy that culture. Yeah. Uh, the 30s, you know. 40s, 50s, and 60s. Yeah. So it's uh-huh. basically, uh, it's 40 years of stuff that he did. Well, if you're looking for a title, you could go with no cell phones or something. Because <laughs> the kids <laughs> of these days will be like, what was that like? What do you do? How, what You did what every day? Oh, it's not a digital photograph? <laughs> yeah. What? Oh. Yeah. Oh, I have to flip pages? I don't get how that works. Well, the cool thing about it is that I was able to, um, my idea was to do, I, I really want to do it as a labor of love for him because I thought the stuff was so good. And, and you know, from from an artistic point of view, I was like, this stuff, I know nobody ever knew, and he wasn't professional. It's not like he was a commercial photographer or right. did it for a living. Um, but he, he, he was an, an amateur, but he had professional chops yeah he had an artistic incredible eye and that's, and that's the content crazy. was great and now that's been you know some 70 some, 80 years since he did it it's really holds sometimes up sometimes well. it's not what you know it's who you know and if yeah. you know if the notoriety isn't like yeah, uh, yeah available yeah, to you you yeah. know it's it doesn't matter how good your art is if it, if if no if the right person doesn't see it Right. It's like uh, you're right. I hate, and that I feel too. like he was probably just doing it as a hobby anyway. Well, he, it's not like he was trying to make a career out of photography. Yeah, you know, right. True. Yeah, it had nothing to do with that. It was about he just did it for the pure love of well, it. There you go. That's, that's what makes speaks it great. to the passion. We mentioned right. that earlier. It comes back to that. He right. had a passion for it, which I feel like I haven't even seen the photos, but based on your description of them, they, it must show. Yeah. It, when you look at the photo, you can see this man's passion. Yeah. It, yeah. It's 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 amazing stuff that he did. So what I I felt it needed a place. Uh, to be put. So I said, well, uh, you know, I, I see these coffee table books. I've seen them online. I've seen them in stores. I'm gonna, now I'm going to pick out the best 50 things. And then I figured, well, this would be really kind of cool because if you go to a gallery and there's, a, you know, you, let's say you go to a gallery of photographs, like a photographic thing, if they do it for like Warhol or whatever, right. whoever it might be that took, takes photographs, you go and see these blowups. Usually it, it will have a name. A lot of times it has, sometimes it doesn't, but a lot of times it has a name. Like the photograph has a, it has a, a name, you know, an artistic oh, like a name. title, a title yeah, yeah. of a, what kind of like what the photographer thinks it might be about. Right. Maybe or, it's what it's invoking to yeah, him or whatever. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So what I've, what I've done is I've kind of taken the liberty of being his grandson and he's no longer here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, with he us. can't do it. So right. I so nothing wrong with behalf, you doing it for him. Right. right. I'm exposing his work and I, and what I've done is I've taken it and gave it the, uh, a title for each one individually, like a little art piece. That's great. And that's going to be that's that's the way it's going to be when it's in the book. That's beautiful. Yeah, and I it's like primarily that. black and white or all black and white. All black and white. I love that. I think that's yep. a that's a good yeah. thing too to um like for people to look forward to, especially um like your supporters and uh you know yeah, people, people that... who are learning about you today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go check out his music, but no. then also know that's coming around the pipe right. too. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, because because we're winding down here. Um, and as much as I want to try to say all of it, I want to just like turn it over to you to. Like, because uh, I I know I'm gonna miss something. Yeah, well, we wrap up the show where, with plugs anyway. Yeah, so well, and I, where where do they find you? Yeah, um, you know, uh, like where? Who like, better to plug the man yeah. than the man himself? Am I right? Uh, <laughs> right. And right. I just want to say, I'm just happy that the coffee table book. Before we get to the very end, is not a book of coffee tables. So, because that's been done. Ah, so, uh, good job on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, so yeah, because I want to know like, clever. like where they find you on social media. You know, we've already like did the website, but just like to reiterate, yep. and then like where um physically, you know, they can go out and see you if yeah. you're playing. At where certain... physically do you live? Can they knock on your door? 
<laughs> yeah, which window is the yeah. best to break in? <laughs> How much do you charge for tickets to the museum? Yeah. All of these things and yeah. more. Yeah. No, no, no. Basically, I, I, I have a big Facebook presence. I make sure that I, I, I post my shows all the time, um, and. So I'm up there. Of course, the the website babcockmusic.com. That's where you can find all the music, um, the stories, and all that stuff. And uh, DVD as well. I, I did a DVD um, about Abbey Road. My working at Abbey Road. Oh, that's right. great. Oh, nice. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you can order that too. You can buy that. Uh, physically get a copy of it um, uh, by buying it uh, through the website. Um, it's just. It took me. I put it out about three, four years ago, and it's videotape of me. In the 80s and 90s, to walking around Abbey Road, my brother filming me with an old VHS camera and go, going into all the studios, showing the board that Pink Floyd recorded Dark Side of the Moon on. That's intense. Uh, yeah, the, no way. The, the piano that Paul McCartney recorded uh, Lady Madonna on. Do you see the J37 in this video? The J37s are in there. Boom. Everything. Fritz hey, I, hey. Love your I like this guy. <laughs> yeah. He knew J37, baby. I do. I do. The four track that, uh, that the Beatles music was recorded on. Boom. Uh, yeah, it was, all, it was yeah. still there. And uh, so this video, if you're uh, if you want if you're a lover of the Beatles and the Beatles uh, Abbey Road recording techniques, and all that and the history uh you can see me doing a tour and i'm talking about it now which is cool it's like a director's cut so oh, that's i'm cool. talking it's about it now video and it's and to- narrated yeah. now yeah that's cool. oh. yeah it's me walking around and talking about okay this is you know this is what i was doing this is why i was doing it so it's it's called uh jb's abbey road uh tour and video album available at babcockmusic.com okay the new album is on spotify okay yep. Yep. it's uh the whole the new album uh welcome to my world is on spotify and all my gigs where i'm playing i'm playing in davenport at a wonderful uh place called uh, ovation uh i will be performing uh at dexter's in, in winter park uh yeah, uh, that's couple, a that's a cool venue, that's, and that's yeah. super local for a lot a yeah. lot of our local listeners. Yeah, so, yeah, they'll be able to get there. Yep. yep. I, I perform in Winter Garden a lot at a place called the Attic Door. Uh, I'm in uh, Mount Dora at a place a great uh, British pub called the Magical Meat Boutique. Okay, that's what a cool. lovely Mount Dora name. Is a yeah. cool little spot. That's, and that's got a whole other story cool that I'll town. save for next time. Awesome. Before yeah. the conspiracy talk, but, but exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so there's some of the some of the uh, solo joints I play at, and also. Uh, I'm performing, of course, doing the uh, Tripping the Lot Fantastic tribute to Sir Paul McCartney. You can see the video uh, of the four-piece version and the three-piece version on my website, babcockmusic.com. Love it. Beautiful. Love it, dude. We cannot thank you enough for letting yeah. us in your house. I'm so humbled, For dude, letting us here. check out all these photos and uh, like amazing signatures. And giving us you know, 30% of the stories that you have. You probably have 70% more to go. You know, uh, We barely broke, touched yeah. the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, this, uh, this Next was time incredible, we'll sink man. the Titanic. Yeah, you're more than welcome. We, thank we, you. We definitely appreciate it. Um, they they can find us, Facebook and Instagram.com slash funny2informing. Email funny2informing at gmail.com. You can find John Hannon. Uh, if at, he wants to put out his own personal stuff, as my name, oh, Han and John story, on Instagram. Funny story. I know I've said this story before. I think, but me and John Lennon share the same birthday, and my oh, last name that's... is John Hannon. Hannon Lennon. Yep. And we share the same birthday. I told yeah. him, don't go to New York in 1981. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, just yeah, yeah it's bad news. Um, but yeah. yeah, you can find you know Hannon. Your 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 Instagram's what Hannon John. Yeah. I was I was scrolling through your Instagram Last the other name day. First. Yeah, I was scrolling through your Instagram the other day and I was like, This guy <laughs> never posts in here. Nah, you know, there's well. like three posts from this year and like nothing from and then twenty seventeen. I was like, nah. Jesus, John. Yeah. But yeah, you can find me, pizza underscore Peisenberg. Google it. 
Facebook it, Instagram it. Yeah, we, uh, we hope you guys uh, enjoy listening as much as we enjoy chatting. Um, you can laugh with us or at us. It doesn't matter. That's right. And uh, do you see you next Tuesday. Star, but I <laughs> good. What I got, and it's gotten me far. Oh, like Cleopatra, you never may be. If you do your best, that is success to me. Let's hear it. cha la 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 Let's hear it, cha-la-la-la-la-la